a treatise of earthly mindedness by jeremiah burrows the text opened philippians three latter part of the nineteenth verse who mind earthly things this precious scripture clearly holds forth the different disposition of wicked and of godly men especially of such wicked men as set themselves against the gospel for it relates to such as were professed enemies to the cross of christ that laboured what they could to hinder the success of the ministry of paul you shall find if you look back a few verses that this is meant of those kind of men especially for he tells us that many walked so as they were enemies to the cross of christ they were those that opposed the preaching of paul and his ministry and he describes those men what they were by diverse characters but i'll treat of none but this who mind earthly things who mind earthly things who savour or relish earthly things so you may translate the word as well it is a general word comprehending the actions and operations both of the understanding and will it is in scripture applied to both but most commonly to the actions of the will and affections we are particular in actions of the will earthly things the things that are upon the earth whatsoever they be the beauty the glory and parentry of the earth the profits that are earthly the pleasures and honours of the world who mind any things inordinately that are sublunary accommodations but we carry and behave ourselves as free denizens of the city of heaven for so the words in the original are if we should thus read them our city whereof we are citizens and whereunto we have right is heaven but our conversation our city converse it is of things that are above the earth when the apostle would have men to follow their example and not the example of others in the seventeenth verse he uses this as an argument saith he such and such men are enemies of the cross of christ and they make their belly their god and they mind earthly things do not follow them do not hearken what they say to do they come up and down from house to house and whisper this and that to you and would take you off from the ways of god god hath begun to enlighten you and to stir your consciences do not let the precious affections of your souls run was towards them but be ye followers of us as we are of christ for our conversation is in heaven with our lord and master there comes in the argument in the twentieth verse so that being the only scope and meaning of the words take this doctrinal truth that this is the great difference between a wicked man and a godly man one minds earthly things and the other hath his conversation in heaven i intend to handle both these in order one of these minds earthly things it is a parallel scripture that we have in the eighth to the romans fifth verse for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh do mind there is the same word only here the participle and there in the verb but the meaning is the same as they that are after the earth mind earthly things so they that are after the flesh savours fleshly things the first part of this point is the description of wicked men that are enemies to the cross of christ and to the ways of godliness and they are men that mind earthly things the more gross of them are described before to have their bellies to be their god some of them are very sensual drunken unclean and altogether given to satisfy the flesh in fleshly lusts but there are others that do not appear to be so brutish yet they are men of earthly minds savour only of earthly things and these are the men that are secret enemies to the cross of christ yea and will many times appear so to be it will break out at length 
such a man whose spirit hath been earthly for a long time will appear at length to be an enemy to christ's cross now in the handling of this point i will propound these five things to treat of first what it is to mind earthly things in a sinful way or thus when a man may be said to be an earthly-minded man that we may know when a man is an earthly-minded man what it is to mind earthly things that the apostle here describes a wicked man by without the opening of this all that i shall say afterwards will be but to little purpose secondly the great evil that there is in minding of earthly things and i shall discover to you a greater evil in it than you are aware of thirdly lay down some convincements whereby those men and women that it may be think they are clear from this sin yet may have it discovered unto their consciences that they are the men and women that do mind earthly things fourthly i shall search into the reason why it is that the hearts of men and women are so much after earthly things fifthly i shall labour to take off your hearts from earthly things these are the five things that are to be done in the first part of the point namely the character of wicked men here laid down who mind earthly things for the first who are they that mind earthly things certainly they are not all those that enjoy earthly things all men that do make use of earthly things must not be condemned for minding earthly things paul himself in this very epistle where he wrote to these philippians chapter four verse twelve though he knew how to want yet he knew how to abound he could tell how to make use of earthly things yea and he gives charge that all those that are instructed should make such as had instructed them partakers of all their goods it may be they would have said is not this to mind earthly things to require those that are instructed to make those that did instruct them partakers of all their goods paul doth charge this yea and christ himself even in that scripture where he does labour most to take the thoughts of men off from the earth as not to take any thought what they should eat or drink yet saith he your heavenly father knows that ye have need of these things in the sixth of matthew and galatians six six let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things and if there be any pretence against it yet saith he be not deceived god is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap thus therefore it is not here charged as a note of an evil man to have earthly things and doth justly require what is due unto him as here paul doth and the galatians could not charge him as breaking his own rule which he wrote to the philippians and therefore we must inquire out somewhat else that's here means by minding earthly things when a man or woman doth mind earthly things in a sinful way and for that there are these several particulars considerable earthly mindedness discovered in nine particulars the first is this when a man looks upon earthly things as the greatest things of all when he hath a high esteem of earthly things as the things as such oh if i had such and such things as others have oh how happy should i be how happy are such and such men that do enjoy such earthly things at their will in their dwellings their furniture their comings in oh these are the brave things these are the delightful things these are the things wherein felicity and happiness doth consist when men shall promise to themselves felicity in any earthly things then they mind earthly things i remember goldenmouth chrysostom hath a speech of a covetous man 
that he looks upon his money and he sees more beauty in his money than in the very sun itself that shines in the firmament when men look upon the things of the earth as the most beautiful things in their eyes certainly that man is in a distemper when he puts such a high esteem upon any earthly things this esteem is not according to what god and his saints do put upon earthly things god never puts any great eminency on any earthly thing he never made any earthly things to be any great conduit or means of conveyance of any great good from himself unto his creature if you would know what your heart are you may know it by this one sign as much as any what do you account your excellency according to what any man or woman accounts their excellency to consist in so are their hearts their hearts are suitable in the twenty-seventh chapter of genesis twenty-eighth and thirty-ninth verses you shall find there isaac blessing of jacob and esau he blesses them both but now what i would observe is this the difference in the placing of them you shall observe the blessing of jacob in the twenty-eighth verse therefore god giveth of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine that's jacob's blessing now look to esau's blessing for the blessing was suitable to their disposition and jacob's father answered and said unto him behold thy dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above mark isaac blesses them both with the dew of heaven and fatness of the earth but now in jacob's blessing the dew of heaven is first and the fatness of the earth is in the second place but in esau's blessing the fatness of the earth is first and then the dew of heaven noting this that a godly man indeed doth stand in need of the things of the earth as christ saith your father knows you stand in need of these things ay but the great thing in the first place that a godly heart doth mind it is the dew of heaven and then in the second place the blessing of the earth but now a carnal heart doth think it hath some need of the things of heaven it will acknowledge that ay but in the first place it's the fatness of the earth they desire and secondly the dew of heaven so that's the first thing earthly-minded men look upon these things as the high and chief things and hence it is that the choice of the thoughts of an earthly-minded man is carried out on worldly objects secondly when the cream and choice of the thoughts of men and women are busied about earthly things then they mind earthly things in a sinful manner you may know what your hearts are by your thoughts as much as anything the thoughts are the immediate evolutions or risings up of the heart as i may so call them that is the bubbles that come from the heart immediately a man cannot know what is in his heart so much by words and actions as by the thoughts because the thoughts immediately spring from the heart as thus i can tell what the water is in such a fountain better from that that bubbles up immediately from the fountain-head than i can tell by the water that runs in a stream a mile or two off for there may many things intervene in the stream a mile or two off that never came from the fountain-head but that that immediately bubbles from the fountain-head that discovers of what nature the fountain is so the thoughts are as it were the first-born of the heart and therefore the heart may be known what it is by the thoughts proverbs twenty three seven saith the holy ghost there as he thinketh in his heart so is he that which is here spoken in a particular case may be applied in the general as a man thinks in his heart so is he as his thoughts are so is he so is the heart as the thoughts of the mind are men may keep in words and actions out of by respects ay but if you could know what the heart is and look into the haunts of it in secret that would discover to yourselves what you are 
as now many of your servants when they are in your presence before you or before others they may out of diverse respects carry themselves fairly but if you would find them out labour to know what they do when they are alone in their private haunts so would you know your own hearts do not so much look at them and take a scantling of them by how you behave yourselves in words and actions before others but what they are in your private chambers, what they are in the inward thoughts of the mind, there the heart comes to be discovered most. And by these thoughts I do not mean every kind of injection or suggestion, for sometimes the devil may cast in evil thoughts into the most holy, but I mean such thoughts as are sweet to the soul, whereby the soul comes to suck out sweetness and contentment, for that's the minding earthly things, when you find the strength of your thoughts to be upon the things of the earth, and they are more suitable to your hearts than any other it is not when through weakness the mind may be wandering this way or that way or through suggestions or temptations but now when men or women are most themselves when alone and free then for to examine what are the most suitable thoughts to their hearts can you say when you are alone oh the very thoughts of god are sweet to me i meditate in his law day and night and suck out sweetness there as from an honeycomb but an unclean wretch will suck out sweetness of his unclean thoughts when he is alone and so the earthly-minded man will suck out the sweetness of his earthly thoughts and so the ambitious man the sweetness of his pride when he is alone and these are the most contentful thoughts to him he can run along if it be two or three hours together and take delight and pleasure in them here's earthly-mindedness the third thing is this an earthly-minded man is one whose heart cleaves to the earth for so I told you the word was not only to mind but to savour the things of the earth. His heart doth cleave to the earth. The psalmist, in a far different case, said that his soul did cleave to the dust. But it's true of many men in this case that I am speaking of. Their very souls do cleave to the dust. Their spirits are mixed with the earth, and therefore they are drossy. Though it may be they have some good common gifts, some good natural parts, and some workings of the Holy Ghost upon them, yet their spirits are drossy because they are mixed with the earth discourse never so much to these men of the vanity of the things of the earth they will give you the hearing but when you have done all their souls do cleave to the earth and discourse never so much to them of the excellency of heavenly things they will hear you but when you have done all their soul still cleaves to the earth as a man whose soul cleaves in love to a woman as it is said of samson his soul did cleave to delilah talk what you will against that woman or of the excellency of any other woman yet his soul cleaves to that woman so it is in an earthly-minded man let what will be said against the things of the earth or what can be said in the setting forth of the excellency of the things of heaven yet his soul cleaves to the earth as the serpent's belly did to the dust of the ground that's an earthly-minded man fourthly an earthly-minded man it on whose heart is filled with distracting cares about the earth what he shall eat and drink, and what he shall put on, how he shall provide for himself and his family, and what shall become of him at such a time, though he be well now, yet what may become of him afterwards, when the heart is filled with distracting cares about the things of the earth, so far as the heart hath these prevailing over it, so far such a man may be judged to be earthly. There are two things that do cause distracting cares about any business. The first is an apprehension of some very great evil, in case i should be disappointed i look upon my disappointment in such a thing as a most intolerable evil to me if i should be disappointed i know not what in the world to do that's the first the second is 
and uncertainty in the means for the preventment of this disappointment when as i look upon disappointment as a very great evil so those means that should prevent and help me against disappointment i cannot trust to i look upon them as too weak to help me notwithstanding all such means i may yet be disappointed this causes distracting thoughts so it is in the things of the earth an earthly-minded man or woman hath his thoughts filled with distracting cares about the world that is thus first they looking upon the things of the world as such great things they conceive if they should be disappointed they should be undone they look upon it as such a fearful unsufferable evil to be deprived of their estate and outward comforts in this world secondly they don't look upon the means of provision for themselves and families as having any certainty in it which is a main thing to be considered of as for outward things in the world they find by experience there is uncertainty in them and then for any promise that there is in scripture that god will provide for them and their families alas they dare not trust to that's a thing that of all means they think to be the weakest lord have mercy upon them say they if they have nothing else to trust to but only a word in scripture they think themselves most miserable and wretched but now it would be otherwise with the soul if it were not earthly-minded it would not be at any great pause how things do fall here in the matters of the world it's true perhaps i may miscarry in such a business and my estate may be taken from me by the chaldeans or sabaeans as job's was but i shall not be undone my happiness is not gone i shall have that that will comfort me when all that is gone suppose the worst yet this will not undo me indeed a man that sends abroad in a venture all his whole estate he is very solicitous because if there be ill news about it he is undone but another man that hath a great deal of riches house and lands and a stock at home to maintain him and his family if there comes such ill news i have a stock to live on he thinks therefore he is not so much solicitous so a worldly man all his stock is in the earth there's his only portion and if he miscarries there he is undone but a godly man though he hath the things of the earth yet he hath something else treasures in heaven to rest upon besides the earth and therefore he is not so solicitous and then for the second the uncertainty of means and help if a godly man looks upon outward causes he sees all is uncertain but he hath a promise to rest upon i will never leave you nor forsake you cast your care upon me for i care for you and this he looks upon as a certain means and help whatsoever falls out he is a promise that he can build upon and therefore this takes off his solicitous cares but an earthly-minded man or woman whose heart is filled with distracting cares because he look upon himself as undone if he miscarries here and hath nothing to rest upon for his provision in this world more than the creature fifthly an earthly-minded man or woman is one whose great business of his heart and endeavours of his life are about the things of the earth he makes it his great business and the strong endeavours of his spirit are exercised in the things of the earth he eagerly and greedily works with the strongest intention about these things his whole soul the whole man is laid out about the world it is the adequate object of his soul you will say other men they are busy in their callings as well as these that you account earthly-minded men ay but mark they are busy about their callings in obedience to god and for outward things set aside their obedience to god then i say all the things that they busy themselves about in the world were not under that consideration that they were obeying god in it they would not be adequate objects for their souls i mean by an adequate object 
that is sufficient to take up the whole strength of the soul to lay it out fully i'll give you this similitude to express my mind further to show you what i mean by an adequate object you have a little child he is playing at sports now this sport it hath as much in it as there is in his spirit there is a kind of equality between his spirit and such sport there is benefit enough a child conceives in such a sport as it's worth the laying out of all his strength and might upon it now it may be sometimes a man or woman will play with their child they will do as the child doth play with it but this sport it's not an adequate object that's thus a man or woman for the while would please themselves with the child but not so as if there were as much good in this as would fill their souls so as they would lay out all their mind and might upon this thing as that is fully adequate to the desires of their soul but sport is fully adequate to the desires of the soul of the child but though a man or woman doth sport so with the child yet these things are not fully adequate to the desires of a man or woman and they have other matters in their heads than these and businesses of a higher nature and so it is in those that are not earthly minded though they may be busied about the things of this world yet they use the world as if they used it not the things of the world are not objects adequate to their hearts a spiritual heart reserves the chief strength of it for higher things i follow these things in the world but so as i reserve the chief strength for a more desirable good as a man now if he hath diverse friends to come to him perhaps he hath some of an ordinary rank they come first he makes ordinary provisions for them but if he hath any choice things for entertainment he reserves them for some choice friends that are coming to him so a man that is not of the world though he may be busy in earthly things yet the choice of his heart he both reserve for things of a higher nature i remember tertullian hath a speech of the christians how they eat and drank when they supped they eat and drank saith he so as they remembered they were to pray that night before they slept so a gracious spiritual heart follows his outward business in the world but so as he remembers he is to converse with god that night before he sleeps so that he reserves the strength of his spirit for communion with god but now the other lays out all his strength as having nothing to do afterwards so that in this an earthly and a spiritual heart are quite contrary the apostle you know would have godly men to use the world as if they used it not so on the contrary an earthly-minded man uses spiritual things as if he used them not look how an earthly-minded man's heart is in spiritual things so a spiritual mind is in earthly things an earthly-minded man will do some things that are spiritual he will come and hear the word perhaps he will pray in his family and read a chapter ay but his heart is not much there he doth it as he did it not comes and hears as if he heard not and prays as if he prayed not he makes it not his business to pray or hear so a spiritual-minded man he doth the things of the world but as if he did them not i mean in comparison of his being busy in spiritual things there he doth it with all his might an earthly-minded man is like to korob dathan and abiram we read of them that they were swallowed up of the earth and so the truth is the things of the earth contentments provision for themselves and families in earthly things doth as it were open and swallow up the very hearts of earthly-minded men and that's the fifth thing for the description of earthly-mindedness sixthly but suppose a man doth not seem to be so strongly intent to lay out his whole strength and heart about earthly things yet when any man or woman shall seek any earthly thing for itself observe it and not in subordination to some higher good this is an earthly-minded man 
so far as this prevails in the second corinthians four eighteen our apostle paul speaks there of the things that are seen that are but temporal while we look not at the things that are seen for the things that are seen are earthly and temporal the word is as much as to say while we do not look as our scope upon temporal and earthly things that are seen we do not make them our end but we seek them in subordination there is somewhat else that we look at higher in all these things as for instance a man that is godly he follows his business as other men do but what is it that he would have it's this i show my obedience to god and i would provide those things that may be helpful to me to serve god in my generation that's my end i can appeal to god in this that even in the following my business and all outward things it is that i might follow god in the use of means for the providing of such things as may enable me to serve him the more in my generation this is my scope in what i do but now on the other side an earthly-minded man makes his scope this he will follow his business and look about the business of his calling that he might gain he would get that he might get he would have more that he might have more and that he and his children might be somebody in the world and it may be that he might have enough to have his will and lusts therefore he follows his business very intent merely that he may get to satisfy the flesh yea indeed all the good things that he doth he brings them in subordination to earthly things you may take it thus a spiritual man doth not seek earthly things for himself but an earthly man doth or thus more fully you may make it a distinct head if you will an earthly man is earthly in all he doth do both in earthly and spiritual things and a spiritual-minded man is spiritual in all he doth both in spiritual and in earthly things an earthly man when he is in earthly things he is altogether earthly he looks not at obedience to god in what he doth as thus i'll follow my calling because god hath required it but an earthly man thinketh i'll follow it because i see gain come in by it this is earth though the things be lawful and it's your duty to follow your calling but to follow it merely for gain this is earthly but because it is your duty and the place god hath set you in that's spiritualness in earthly things an earthly man is earthly in earthly things and he is more earthly in spiritual things when he performs spiritual duties he hath an earthly end in it either to get esteem from men or to cover some evil or merely for form and fashion he doth it in an earthly way and it may be at the most that that he doth do it is but merely for his own quiet and to satisfy his own conscience he is earthly in spiritual things but now a spiritual man is spiritual in earthly things one of a spiritual mind is more heavenly and spiritual when he is about his calling though the meanest as hedging or ditching or when he is pulling his ropes and lines or using his axe or hammer he is more spiritual i say then than an earthly man is when he is praying or hearing or receiving sacraments certainly it is so and it will be found to be so at the great day of judgment when the secrets of all hearts shall be disclosed that's the sixth thing when a man seeks earthly things for himself and that that we may add as a seventh is that he is earthly in spiritual things i grant that the best of the saints may have some earthliness in spiritual things but i speak of the predominancy it's that that doth rule in the heart so that in the performance of spiritual things his very ends are but earthly and the frame of his heart is but earthly in spiritual performances the eighth thing wherein we may find an earthly-minded man is this that he passes through many and great difficulties in matters of the earth and they are very little to him 
and though he hath a great deal of toil for the matters of the earth yet he is never weary with it because he is in his proper element and therefore let there be what difficulties there will be which to another man would be very great he makes of them as nothing and though there be much toil and labour yet he is not weary why because he is in his own element the fish is not weary with swimming but a man is quickly weary ay but the fish is in its element and a man is not so i beseech you observe this when a man's spirit is in this kind of temper let him but be busied about earthly things wherein earthly advantage comes in no difficulties will hinder him no wind or weather he will rise in cold mornings and go abroad do anything in the world oh what difficulties will men endure in storms at sea and hazards there and troubles at land many ways for things of the earth and sit up late and rise early and toil themselves and complain of no weariness nor no difficulties but now let them come but to spiritual things to soul businesses that concern god and their spiritual estates every little difficulty puts them aside and discourages them every molehill is a mountain in their way i would do so and so indeed but tis so hard and tis tedious to rise in a morning especially in cold winter's morning it is very hard and difficult to read and pray and so he is complaining of the difficulty of these things and to watch over the heart it's a mighty difficulty to an earthly man any spiritual thing is difficult and the difficulties doth discourage him and in spiritual things oh how weary they are as they are in the first of micah thirteen they cried out what a weariness is it but in the business of the world they can follow it from morning to night they are never tired they can work as we say sometimes of men like a horse and yet never out of breath oh i would but desire you try your hearts once but to endeavour to spend one sabbath exactly and see what a weariness that would be to you resolve but one sabbath to rise early in the morning and to have your thoughts spiritual and heavenly as much as you can and then get up and pray alone in your closet then read and hear and meditate and mark what you hear and when you go home think of it and confer about it and when you come again attend upon the word and so spend the whole day in hearing reading meditating and conference about good things calling your family to account and praying again and see how tiresome this will be unto your hearts if they be carnal but now a spiritual heart will call the sabbath a delight unto it and the sabbath unto such an one is no other than the type and forerunner of that eternal day of rest it shall enjoy in the kingdom of heaven one that is spiritual accounts the sabbath to be a day of rest but an earthly man is quickly tired of spiritual things he will give over his work and not go through it we read in the fourth of nehemiah sixth verse nehemiah having spoken of the great difficulties that they met with all in their work and yet saith he the work went on for they had a mind to it so look how a man's mind is so he will be able to go through his work if a man be an earthly-minded man such a man will go through stitch with his work if he take up business for the world he will go through with it for he hath a mind to it he is a man of an earthly mind but let him take in hand a spiritual work and he will lay it aside before it be half done he will seldom bring to perfection any spiritual work why because he hath no mind to it whereas were the heart spiritual and there were any spiritual work undertaken such a one would go through with it till all was finished another note about the description of an earthly-minded man is this an earthly-minded man is one that doth conceive of the most heavenly truths that are revealed in the word in an earthly way according to his mind his genius and disposition of his own heart 
and i verily think this is in a special manner meant in this place for the apostle is speaking of those that did oppose him in his ministry and that were enemies to the cross of christ now saith he these mind earthly things their minds are of an earthly temper and therefore no marvel as if he should say though they do not savour those heavenly and spiritual truths that we bring to them for their minds being earthly they only apprehend those things after an earthly manner as now what was the great truth that the apostle did bring to the philippians it was the way of reconciling the world to god of making our peace with god and of our justification through jesus christ now there is no point of religion more spiritual heavenly and divine than the doctrine of reconciliation and of justification by jesus christ so that one that is of an earthly disposition though he may be convinced of a necessity of pardon of sin and peace with god yet he apprehends the making of his peace with god and obtaining pardon of his sin but in an earthly manner he hath carnal thoughts and apprehensions about his peace with god and about obtaining pardon of sin he thinks it is the same way that one obtains peace with another when he is fallen out and of getting pardon from another man that he hath offended he conceives it in an earthly way he looks upon his making peace with god by something that he himself must perform but for the point of free justification by the grace of god in christ it's too divine spiritual and heavenly for an earthly-minded man to apprehend in the spiritualness of it an earthly-minded man his apprehensions of god are but in a carnal earthly way as the prophet speaks in the first of isaiah the ox knows his master and the ass his master's crib even after that manner doth an earthly-minded man know god as an ox his master and the ass his master's crib as thus the ox knows his owner because he brings him fodder daily so an earthly-minded man hath no other apprehensions of god but this he thinks god gives him good things in this world god makes his corn to grow or prospers his voyage an earthly-minded man may rise so high to have apprehensions of god as bringing good things unto him here on earth but one that is spiritual and heavenly doth apprehend god as god doth not look upon god merely as good in respect of the benefit he receives from god here but he looks upon god as he is in himself he sees the face of god as there's a great deal of difference between a man that knows another man and a beast that knows a man the ox knows his master the ox knows the man that brings hay or provender to him but a man knows a man in another way knows what the nature of a man is knows what it is to be a rational creature so one that is spiritual knows what god is in himself he sees the face of god and understands what god is in another way than others do the difference between the knowledge of god that a spiritual soul hath and one that is pure in heart and the knowledge of god that an earthly heart hath is just so much difference as comes to this as the ox knows the man that drives him to fat pastures so doth an earthly man know god that gives him good things but a spiritual heart knows god as one man knows another not in his full excellency i mean not so but there is such a kind of difference in some degree between the apprehensions of god in a spiritual heart and the apprehensions of god in an earthly heart and so we might mention in many other spiritual and divine truths that an earthly mind doth apprehend but in an earthly way consider of heaven itself how doth an earthly mind apprehend it he apprehends that he shall be delivered from pain and shall have some kind of glory but knows not what it is conceives it according to the way of earth some pompous gloating thing that he shall live in pleasures and not in pain and so apprehends all the glory of heaven but in sensuality 
whereas a spiritual heart looks at heaven in another kind of notion he looks upon the enjoyment of communion with god and jesus christ in heaven and living in the life of god in heaven that's a thing that an earthly heart hath no skill at all in neither doth such an heart so much as savour it thus i have in these several particulars discovered what an earthly-minded man is oh that you would lay your hand upon your heart and every one of you consider how far these things do reach you but i have besides these diverse other convincements to convince the consciences of men and women that yet there is much earthliness in them but of them we shall treat of in their order afterwards the second head to consider is this the great evil that there is in earthly mindedness they mind earthly things is that any such great matter you will say indeed we cannot imagine the transcendency of the evil that is in this we think there's a great deal of evil in swearing whoring drinking and such kind of scandalous sins and indeed there is but to have an earthly mind we do not think this to be so exceeding evil yet you will find that the scripture doth speak most dreadful things about this and if god please to set them home upon your hearts i hope there is much glory may come to god by it and much good unto you in particular fourteen evils of earthly mindedness the first evil first the scripture calls it adultery it is spiritual adultery in jude verse four ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with god they were adulterers and adulteresses in respect of their love to the world you that would abhor the thought of a temptation to adultery yet you may commit spiritual adultery a man or a woman may be an adulterer or an adulteress before the lord though they never commit the act of uncleanness with another yet if their heart be towards another they be guilty of uncleanness for christ saith whosoever doth but look after a woman to lust after her in his heart he hath committed adultery already that is hath sinned against that command that forbids adultery is it so that if a man do but let his heart go after another woman more than his wife and a wife after another man more than her husband this is adultery before the lord so if our hearts be after any things more than the lord jesus christ that we profess ourselves to be married to and he to be our husband this is adultery in scripture phrase the second evil yea further a worldly or an earthly mind in scripture phrase is called idolatry in ephesians five five speaking of diverse sins that should not be so much as named among them as it became saints he hath covetousness among the rest and he adds this and covetousness which is idolatry now what is earthly mindedness but covetousness which is idolatry a man or woman is an idolater that is of an earthly mind now idolatry which is a worshipping of stocks and stones you all account to be a great sin but do you and all others take heed of another idolatry that may be as bad that is to have your hearts to make the god of this world to be your god the cursed mammon of unrighteousness to make the things of the earth to be your christ to fall down and worship the golden calf of the world it's certain that that thing a man's heart is most taken with and set upon that's his god and therefore here in this verse out of which my text is it's said they made earthly things their bellies their god the voluptuous and drunkard makes their belly their god and the unclean person makes his strumpet to be his goddess and worshippeth that whatsoever thy heart is most upon that's thy god therefore that you must know to be the meaning of the commandment thou shalt have no other gods before me that is thou shalt give me the strength of thy soul and nothing else so i am a god to my creature when i have its strength exercised about me to lift up me as the highest good 
but if there be anything else that thy soul is set upon as thy highest good that's thy god and it's worse than bowing the knee thou bowest thy soul to that thing now the meaner anything is that we make a god of to ourselves the more vile is the idolatry as when the egyptians worshipped diverse sorts of gods they were accounted the most vile idolaters whereas other heathens worshipped more excellent things the sun moon and stars the egyptians worshipped dogs cats onions and vile things and therefore their idolatry was vile so the viler a thing is that any man or woman sets their heart upon the more vile is their idolatry as for a man that should set his heart upon unclean lusts now to make that to be a god the satisfying of those lusts that's abominable and to make any earthly thing to be a god for us that's most vile for of all the things of the works of creation that god hath made the earth is the meanest tis the basest and lowest thing and hath the least beauty in it in itself and it is the most dull and meanest element of all to make earthly things to be a god to you this is most vile objection you will say for this idolatry what is there in it answer there are two particulars to open the evil of idolatry or earthly mindedness first the evil of your idolatry it is in this you do depart from god in letting out of your hearts to these things you do as it were go off from god and renounce the protection of god the goodness and mercy of god you leave it all by this in the fourth chapter of hosea twelfth verse they are said to go a-whoring from under their god it's a notable phrase that is by going to idols they did go off from the protection of god whereas while they were worshipping the true god they then were under the protection of god but when they went to idols they went from under their god from under his protection so when thou settest thy heart upon god and liftest up the infinite first being of all things as the chief good to thy soul thou art under the influence of his grace and mercy but when thou dost depart from him and makest other things to be thy chief good thou goest from under his protection and from his good and mercy secondly god is slighted and condemned in this when thou choosest rather to make the earth to be thy god than the infinite blessed first being of all things as a man that doth despise his wife and it were abominable sin if he should choose to go to a queen though the most beautifulest woman in the world and forsake his wife but to leave a queen or empress that were the beautifulest woman upon the earth and to have the heart cleave to a base dunghill raker were not this a great contempt to the queen that were so beautiful yet so it is when thou dost forsake the blessed eternal god as thy chief good and choosest the things of the earth for the truth is the earth is the fink of all the creatures of god's making and for thee to leave the most blessed and eternal one and to make that thy god it must needs be a very vile and abominable thing and therefore the prophet jeremiah in speaking of this idolatry he calls the heavens and the earth to be amazed at it jeremiah two twelve be astonished o ye heavens at this and be horrible afraid be ye very desolate saith the lord why what's the matter for my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water so it is here thou forsakest the fountain of living waters the blessed god and thy heart cleaves to the dust and seekest thy contentment and happiness in cisterns that can hold no water let the heavens be astonished at this horrible wickedness the third evil thirdly earthly mindedness its enmity against god thou wouldst be loath to be found an enemy against god certainly it's a truth and it will be found another day 
that an earthly-minded man or woman is an enemy to god yea the scripture makes it to be enmity in the very abstract james four four know ye not that the love of the world is enmity to god observe this for there's very much in it if god would be pleased to make us to lay it to heart you will find it by experience that earthly-mindedness doth make men to be enemies to that that is spiritually good therefore well might the holy ghost say tis enmity to god for whatsoever is enmity to anything that is spiritually good it is enmity to god so much as my heart or any of your hearts are against anything that is spiritual so much mine or any of your hearts are enemies to god now here in the very text these earthly-minded men are made enemies to the cross of christ that is enemies to the spiritual preaching of christ and holding forth christ indeed if they would have mixed christ and circumcision together then they would have been content with it but now this spiritual way of preaching christ and being justified by faith alone and the christian religion in the purity of it was that that was not suitable to their carnal hearts and therefore they were enemies to it o oh, earthly mindedness doth make us enemies to spiritual things where have you greater enemies unto the things of god unto spiritual things unto the ministry of the word as we had occasion to hint and to the work of god's grace upon the hearts of men and women no greater enemies unto these things than earthly-minded men men that savour the things of the earth that can go up and down and care not if they can but load themselves with thick clay grow rich in the world and fare deliciously every day with dives make provision for the flesh to fulfil the lusts thereof there is an antipathy in their spirits against jesus christ and all goodness the fourth evil then fourthly there is scarce any disposition more opposite more contrary to the work of grace to the work of godliness in a man's own heart than earthly mindedness tis so exceeding cross to the nature of grace that it may as well put men or women to be at a stand and put them upon examination whether there be any grace or no in their hearts if earthly mindedness prevail as almost any other thing if god should suffer your corruptions to prevail over you so as you should break forth into some outward notorious sins then it may be you would begin to think can this stand with grace and how can that stand with such workings as i have had before have not i cause to fear that i am but an hypocrite a rotten professor but now this earthly mindedness hath as much opposition to the nature of grace and the power of godliness in the heart as almost any sin that you can name it is so quite contrary to the very beginning of the work of grace not contrary to the degrees only but to the beginning the main work of god at the very first in working grace in the soul is to disengage the soul from the creature it is to take it off from the earth and from all creatures here below for naturally it is true that as we are of the earth so we are earthly and have our spirits engaged to the things of this earth but then comes the work of grace upon the soul and takes it off and discharges the heart from the earth and therefore you find that christ lays in this as the first lesson that he that will be my disciple must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me as if he should say never think of being a christian except you will deny yourselves self what's that all natural contentment natural self and sinful self to be emptied wholly of yourselves and creature comforts and contentments and take up my cross to be willing to suffer anything in regard of earthly comforts to be willing to lay down all at my feet and to give up your interest in all and to take up my cross this is the very first beginning of christ's bringing disciples to himself then saith the soul let me have my sin pardoned and farewell earth its heaven holiness renewing of the image of god communion and union with god and living to the eternal praise of his name in christ that my heart is upon 
I say this is the beginning of God's working the heart to himself. The work of grace, when it is full wrought, it hath the name of vocation. Calling, what is it for a man to be called? Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. To be called is this, and whereas before thou wert altogether digging and dolving in the earth, and seeking for thy happiness in the world, now it pleases God to make thee to hear a voice behind thee, calling thee, and telling thee, O poor soul, thy happiness is not here. There are other things in which thy chief good consists. Thou art made for higher and better things than these. God hath nobler thoughts about mankind than merely to let him have a few contentments here in the earth. O soul, come away and look after higher things. Here's the first work of grace. And the soul answers unto this call of God, and saith, Lord, I come, and so gives up itself to God to dispose of it, and this is in the beginning of the work of grace. Now, how contrary is earthly-mindedness to the work of God in bringing grace into the heart? Conceive it in these three things. 1. The very work of conversion, it is set out in Scripture by God's calling the soul out of the world, whom he hath predestinated, him he hath called. When God effectually begins to work upon the heart of a sinner, he does cause a voice to be heard in the soul. O soul, thou hast been busying thyself about many things, but there is one thing necessary. O come out of that way of thine that thou art in, thou canst never be happy else, thou wilt be undone in it. The Lord calls the soul out of the world. And that, I say, is the very work of conversion, the soul's answering to God's call. Now, for one still to be earthly and to have a heart cleaving to these things, surely such a one is not as yet effectually called out of the world. 2. And then from thence follows, upon the soul's answer to this call, the Lord disengages the heart from all creature comforts, and teacheth the first lesson to deny himself and to take up Christ's cross. Now what's more opposite to self-denial and the taking up of the cross of Christ than earthly-mindedness? The text saith here, They are enemies to the cross of Christ. And then a third thing in conversion, it is the resigning up of the soul to God as the chief good, the soul upon the call of God, it learns the lesson of self-denial and taking up the cross, and so being disengaged from the creature, now it resigns up itself to God as an infinite soul-satisfying good forever. Now you cannot but, in the naming of this, see how opposite earthly-mindedness is to it. And then, for the work of grace upon the heart, after the heart is converted and turned to God. First, grace brings a new light into the soul. A spiritual and divine light is set up in the soul upon the conversion of a sinner to God. But now, the earth, you know, it's the dark part of the world, and earthly-mindedness, it causeth darkness to be upon the spirit, as the interposition of the earth between us and the sun, it doth hinder the sight of the sun from us. And so the interposition that there is of earthliness in the soul of man between God and it doth hinder the sight of God from the soul. There is a divine light set up in the soul, and when, as God works grace that doth discover things of a higher and more excellent and glorious nature than those things were that before the heart did so much cleave unto, in the second place, the scripture sets forth the work of grace by the new creature. In the soul all things are made new, old things are past, he that is in Christ is a new creature. Now earthly mindedness is opposite to the new creation in the soul, it's the old man that is of the earth, the first man is of the earth, earthly. And so it is apparent that thou art still only in the stock of the first man, of the earth earthly, who art an earthly minded man but the second man is the Lord from heaven. But now, 
thou that art an earthly-minded man or woman art yet but a child of adam of the first man and so art of the earth earthly this is opposite to grace grace works a new creation in the soul thirdly and grace is of an elevating nature raises the heart above itself and above the creature yea above the world in some respect above angels themselves above principalities and powers above all created things grace is of a raising nature but an earthly-minded man sinks down to low and base things and grace fourthly is of an enlarging nature it enlarges the heart so that it cannot be satisfied with any earthly thing though god should give the whole world to a heart that hath grace this would not satisfy that heart why because it is so enlarged by the work of grace the work of grace it is the divine nature the image of god in the soul and therefore works the soul like to god and it said of god in the fortieth of isaiah that all the nations of the earth are to him but as the drop of the bucket and as the small dust in the balance now grace makes the soul to be like god to account all the things of the earth to be as the drop of a bucket and the dust of the balance to be nothing less than nothing fifthly and then grace sanctifies the soul now what is it to sanctify but to take off from all common uses and to dedicate to god as the highest act of all things and therefore the greek word that is for holy it is taken from a participle primitive and a word that signifies the earth as much as to say not earthly and a holy one in the greek language is not an earthly one according to the usual etymology given of it now grace it makes the soul holy it sanctifies the soul it sets apart the soul for god and dedicates and consecrates the soul to god and therefore you see that it is opposite to the work of god in bringing grace into the soul and to the work of grace and the power of godliness in the soul of man this is the great evil of earthly mindedness the fifth evil but fifthly for the discovery of the great evil that there is in earthly mindedness it puts men upon very great temptations and for that we need no other scripture than that in the first of timothy chapter six verse nine saith the apostle there but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare mark that is those that have their hearts so much upon the things of the earth as they are resolved they must have them whatsoever comes of it observe the phrase they that will be rich they apprehend a necessity of the things of the earth they do not only wish and desire all oh, that we had riches and had the things of the earth but they resolve they must have them upon any terms well if the heart go on in obedience to god in the duties of its calling and if god send in riches and an estate it doth thankfully accept it from god these do not meet with such temptations and a snare as the apostle here speaks of but when the heart is set upon it that it needs must have an estate whatsoever comes on it now they that will be so they saith the apostle fall into temptations and a snare there's dangerous temptations in following after the things of the earth and there is a snare in them that you do not think of for you think only of the bravery of the things of the earth how sumptuously you should live and how fine you should be in your house and clothes and what table you may keep you only think of these things that may give the flesh contentment but you do not think of the temptation and the snare that is in them and those whose hearts are set upon these things they fall into the snare nay temptation those that are earthly-minded have great temptations to shift up and down to strain their consciences for the things of the earth for so it is that while we live in this world god hath made the things of the earth to be as thorns 
and so they are compared in Scripture, and it's hard for one to meddle with thorns without pricking his fingers. They are as briars, and it's hard for the sheep to get among them, but she will lose some of her wool, and so it's hard for the heart to be busy about the things of the earth, but it will be pricked and lose some of its fleece. It will fall into temptation and a snare and be catched. Oh, how many men and women that have enlightened consciences, and they think sometimes that they would not for all the world do anything against their consciences, though they might gain all the glory and riches under heaven. Well, but yet their hearts being earthly, when it comes to some particular, how ready are they, at least to strain conscience and not to attend to the voice of conscience, and are willing that conscience should have its mouth stopped for the time. Indeed, if their consciences did plainly tell them that this thing is absolutely sin against God, perhaps they would not do it. But that were not the snare, for tis no snare when I see the danger before me, Here's a deep pit, and if I step a step further I fall into it. This is no snare. But now there are some that are not catched so by a pit that's open, but the devil doth lay upon the pit, it may, some green grass, so that they shall not perceive, or very hardly perceive, the danger. Thus such as have earthly hearts, they fall into a snare and temptation. They are put upon straining of conscience, and wringing it as much as may be, and many shifts that they are put to, Oh, a man, when once he's got into an earthly business, he knows not how in the world to bear it, if he be crossed in it. It may be, I have gone thus far, and I have very great hopes that I shall succeed in it. Only there is one stop, now, for him to think that. For this one stop, I am like to lose all. Oh, it goes to his heart. Oh, but now, if you would but strain conscience a little, you may get over it presently. An earthly man will strain hard, but he will get over it. Whereas now, were the heart taken off from the earth, though such a man had gone on never so far in a business, if there comes a stop in a matter of conscience, yea, if it were but a doubt that such a thing were sin, it's enough to stop him, a mere doubt lest he should sin would be enough for to make him say, let the business fall if it will, there may be a snare in this, and I see some cause to doubt. Now if the heart were spiritual, it would be taken off, but an earthly mind will go through very many dreadful things, and doth not much trouble himself, and so doth ensnare himself exceedingly, that he may get an estate or preserve it when once he hath got it. That's the fifth thing. The sixth evil. The sixth thing wherein the danger of earthly-mindedness consists is this, that tis one of the greatest hindrances in the world to profiting by the ministry of the word. Oh, many of you cannot but be convinced in your consciences that you have not profited by the word, and sometimes you will complain of the want of profiting under the means. Oh, that you had but hearts to look into the cause of it, from whence it is that you profit so little. It will appear to come from your earthly mindedness. You bring a heart full of the world, full of dross with you. No marvel, though you do not see those spiritual and heavenly things that are in the word, when, as there is so much dross in your eyes, you know travellers in the summer-time, travelling in the midst of dust and in company, they have not that freedom of their eyes to see things as at another time. Oh, many men come to the word with their thick clay and a great deal of filth that doth clam up their very eyes and dead their hearts in the hearing of the word. You know what Christ said to Martha when Mary was sitting at Christ's feet and hearing his word, but Martha was cumbered with many things. So it is many times with those that come to hear the word, though they are in the presence of Christ and have the sound of the word in their ears, yet their hearts are cumbered about many things. There is a great noise in their hearts. 
they are busied in the world even while they are hearing of the word as you find it in the thirty-third chapter of ezekiel thirty-first verse there is a notable description i fear it may be of many of you and they come unto thee saith the lord to the prophet as the people cometh and they sit before thee as my people and they hear thy words but they will not do them for with their mouth they show much love but their heart goeth after their covetousness they sit before thee as my people and they hear thy words mark and they show much love with their mouth they will commend the sermon it may be they will say he is an excellent preacher it's a very good sermon that we heard this day they will show love with their mouth and yet their hearts go after their covetousness for all that they heard a man speak fine things and brought excellent expressions for to set forth his matter that he had in hand but yet their hearts are after the things of the earth and after their covetousness they had carnal earthly drossy hearts and hence it was that there was no good came unto them by the ministry of the word and that famous place which we have for this which shows it clearly in the thirteenth of matthew twenty-second verse you know the several sorts of ground that had the seed of the word sown into them but there was but one of them that was good and faithful and among others there was the thorny ground he also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful i beseech you observe it that these our saviour speaks of here in this parable that get no benefit by the word are not men that live lewdly your drunkards swearers and whoremasters but those that have earthly hearts it said the deceitfulness of riches the things of the earth do not hinder in an open way for thousands of men that have earthly hearts they do not know that they have earthly hearts no it is the deceitfulness of riches and it chokes the word it may be just when they are in the hearing of the word it doth affect them oh they think it's sweet and they will remember it but the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world chokes the word when they come they have business about the world and their houses and gardens and comings in and full tables and all the delights that they have in the world comes and possesses the heart that the word is choked it cannot get down into the soul to sink in there and so to prevail in the soul to bring forth fruit oh the word is choked oh many of you come here three times in the lord's day and have precious seed sown all those times and yet oh how it is choked through the cares of this world and through the deceitfulness of the things of this world you bring with you and keep with you and carry along with you earthly minds and hence it is that the word prevails not in your hearts oh what do you lose through this earthliness you lose the fruit of the word that should save your souls a spiritual heart having received some one truth into it afterwards blesses god for it and would not for ten thousand worlds but he had had that truth preached unto his heart at such a time oh he hath cause to bless god for such a morning for such a day that he hath had such a goodly pearl of great price presented to him and taking root in his heart i say it's more than if god had given them thousands of worlds to possess but now many of you having your thoughts and hearts about some pretty thing of this world all those blessed truths that you hear from time to time that the very angels desire to pry into they are all choked and come to be unfruitful what was the reason when the young man came to christ to know what he should do to the eternal life that he got no good the text saith that he had great possessions a man no question may be a rich man and yet a godly man a holy man but when the heart is in the estate mixed with the earth oh this it was that hindered the young man from embracing of jesus christ even when he came to him young men for the most part are rather guilty of fleshliness than 
seeking after the riches of the world, yet sometimes it hath been the bane of some young men at their first setting up. They were very forward when they were servants. Oh, how precious was the word unto them! But when they were got into the world, and found the sweetness of it coming in, oh, then the world hath been choked to them, and they have lost the savour they had in the word. They have lost the relish of the word. It is not now sweet to them as formerly it hath been. Oh, many examples there hath been this way. That's the great evil of earthly-mindedness, that it doth hinder the great benefit of the word, and there is much evil in this. If you had hearts to receive what is delivered, your hearts would tremble at the thought of this. O Lord, what shall I be hindered from profiting by this word? Tis a great blessing of God to the world. It's that that must save my soul. There's more worth in it than ten thousand worlds. Whatsoever should hinder my profiting by thy word, I had need take heed of it. Take heed of earthly-mindedness. Many of your consciences cannot but tell you this. Sometimes any business will keep an earthly-minded man from coming to the word, and when he doth come, there is earth in his heart and ears that keeps him from attending upon the word, and when thy thoughts are about earthly things in the hearing of a sermon, it may be there is some truth passes by thy soul that might have saved thee eternally, and thou hast lost that opportunity which perhaps thou shalt never have again. The seventh evil opened in six particulars. Further, in the seventh place, earthly-mindedness, it causes many foolish lusts in the heart. That's a great evil, and for that you have the same scripture that was before, for the temptations and snare. 1 Timothy 6.9 But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, lusts that are very foolish and simple. 1. As, for instance, it causes men to follow after things that are very vile and mean. It causes men to bestow the strength of their immortal souls about things that have no worth at all in them. That's a foolish lust, to bestow the strength of an immortal soul about vanities. If you should see men that are of excellent parts for to spend their time about trifles and toys, as about catching of flies and following of feathers, you would say, surely they begin to be besotted. So, for the soul of man that is capable of such excellency as it is, of communion with God, with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, for such a soul to have the strength of it spent about such poor trifling things that cannot profit in the evil day, oh, this is a foolish lust. Secondly, foolish lusts, for earthly mindedness, causes thee to be a servant to thy servants. You would account that man a fool that should be a servant to his servants. So God hath made the things of the earth to be a servant to thee, and yet thou wilt come and put thy neck under thy servant's yoke, and art a servant to thy servant. Yea, were it not a great deal of folly for a man to expect all his honour and respect to come from his servant, rather than from excellency in himself? As thus, suppose a man were travelling, and indeed there is respect given to him, but it's for his servant's sake, rather than his own. If he should come to know this, this he would account a great dishonour to himself." But an earthly heart, I say, puts himself into such a condition, as indeed he makes it to be his greatest honour to have honour from his estate and riches, so that men do not respect rich men for any worth that there is in themselves, or for any excellency of their own, but only for their riches, as much as to say, a man is not respected for himself, but for his servant. Take some men that have had estates, but now they are deprived of them, and are become as poor as any almsmen or beggars amongst us, who doth regard them then? But now let a man have grace and holiness, if he were turned out of all and made as poor as Job. Yet he were one that the angels of heaven would look upon with honour, and would glory in attending upon him. 
This is the difference between the carnal earthly heart and spiritual heart. It's a foolish lust to make himself to be a servant to his servant. Thirdly, it brings into foolish lusts, for a man might have as much, it may be, more of the earth if he did not mind it so much as he doth. Now for a man to mind the earth and to endanger himself in the minding of it, when, as he might have it as well without so much minding, surely this is a foolish thing. For a man to bestow a great deal of labour about a thing, when, as he might have it with less labour, he is a fool, surely. Certainly, if you be such as belongs to God, especially you may rather expect God to bless you if you kept your hearts more spiritual, you might expect that God would grant to you more of the good things of this world if you are less earthly-minded than you are and it's your earthly-mindedness that makes God cut you short of these things. I am verily persuaded there are many men that have ill success in their earthly affairs, and it's a fruit of God's displeasure upon them because their hearts are so much upon worldly business. Did you go on in your employment in obedience to God, and commit it to God for success, you might be crowned with more success than you have been. Now what a foolish thing is this! fourthly yea further it's a great deal of folly for any of you to go and buy a thing and to pay a greater price for it than it's worth if you send a servant to buy you commodities and when he comes home you ask him what it cost and he tells you it cost such a price which is ten times more than it's worth you will say thus it is to send a fool to market so an earthly-minded man manifests himself to god and his angels and all the saints to be a fool for why thou bestowest that upon this world that is a thousand times more worth than the things of the world for thou bestowest that upon the world that might bring thee to heaven i may say to an earthly-minded man those thoughts and cares and affections and endeavours that thou dost spend upon the things of the world if they had been spent upon the things of god might have saved thy soul to all eternity thou mightest have got christ and heaven and eternity the lord would have gone along with thee and thou mayest come hereafter to see it at the great day when all things shall be opened before men and angels. Had I but spent those thoughts and cares and endeavours about understanding the ways and things of God and eternal life, my soul might have been saved for ever. Not that our works will do it, but that God would have gone along together with you in such ways as those are, now for you to spend thoughts and cares about that that perhaps you shall not have, for many men and women spend their souls about the things of the world and never have them, this is a sad thing. Oh, will not this be folly? Will you not curse yourselves hereafter for your folly? Oh, that I should spend myself and be spent about that that I have not got neither, and I must be damned for that, whereas had I spent time about things that concern my soul and eternal life, it would have been more like that I should have gotten those things. For God doth not fail men so in spiritual things as he doth in earthly things." A man may be as diligent as it's possible for any man to be in business of the earth, and yet he may miscarry, but give me any man or woman that ever was diligent in seeking the things of God and eternal life that ever did miscarry. I verily believe at the day of judgment there will not be one man found that shall be able to say, Lord, I did improve what talents thou didst give me to the uttermost to save my soul, but Lord, because I was not able to do any more without thy grace, thou didst deny thy grace to me, and therefore now I must be damned. I believe there will not be any soul that will be able to say so, but in the matters of the world men do say so, that they have done what they could, nay, laboured and toiled, and yet for all that they miscarry. Oh, what a foolish thing is this, then, for thee to toil and labour about that which is so uncertain, for were it not a foolish thing for a man to bestow all his estate about buying of pebble-stones, and that that will afford him no kind of benefit at all, 
this folly is in the heart of man i'll but put this care to you if two of you should go to the indies where precious stones are and one should purchase a lading of precious stones and other rich commodities and the other that carried as much money with him he lays out all his money about baubles and trifles and they both come home laden both went out with the same stock both come home laden and one comes home with precious stones that make him rich and his posterity to be great men the other brings home nothing but a company of pebble-stones which makes him scorned and jeered at by all his neighbours oh how would he be ready to tear his flesh for his folly in this kind this will be the difference between men and women at the day of judgment for the truth is what is this world but a seafare we are here sailing in this world and here we have the market of pearls or else of that hath no worth at all in it when you live in the times of the gospel i say there is a market for pearls for those things that may enrich you to all eternity now there's one man he bestows the strength of his thoughts and heart about those things that he shall be blessing of god in the highest heavens to all eternity for and the other man bestows his thoughts and heart upon the things of the earth and lays himself with thick clay as the scripture phrase is and now at the day of judgment when it shall appear here's a man or woman that shall be to all eternity blessed that shall join with angels and saints in the highest heavens to magnify the free grace of god in christ and here's another had that he bestowed but his thoughts and heart about the same things he might have been so blessed for ever but he minding the things of the earth is a cursed fool and is the scorn and contempt of men and angels to all eternity earthly mindedness brings men into foolish lusts the scripture speaks oh though men of earthly minds think themselves the only blessed men i applaud myself at home let men talk what they will but the holy ghost saith that those lusts that are caused by earthly mindedness are foolish lusts fifthly that's folly for a man to do that that he must undo again now especially those earthly-minded men that have this earthliness so to prevail with them as to get anything of the earth by false ways they must certainly undo all they have done you have got so much of the earth in some cunning cheating way and you bless yourselves that you have found out such a mystery of iniquity this is a foolish lust foolish why it must be done again either you must be eternally damned or else you must restore as zacchaeus did if you be able though it be to the impoverishing of yourselves yet it must out again all the sorrow and repentance that can be will not be sufficient thou canst not be pardoned upon all thy sorrow and repentance if thou dost not restore if thou beest able what thou hast ill-gotten i do not know that there was ever any minister of the gospel upon the face of the earth but held this that it was of absolute necessity to salvation to restore and this one reason cannot but satisfy any man's conscience that a man cannot truly repent of a sin and yet wilfully to continue in it now except you do restore you do wilfully continue in it for why you do not only wrong the man the first hour but so long as you keep anything that is his you do wrong him and if you be able to restore and do not because you are loath to part with so much money or so many goods you do wilfully continue in the sin now no man or woman can truly repent of a sin and yet wilfully persist in that sin what a foolish lust is this for a man or woman to go and get the things of this world in such a way as he must undo all again though it be to his shame oh consider what a folly it is you deceitful servants that spend away that upon your lusts that you cheat and cousin your master of afterwards when you come to set up for yourselves you must restore what you have purloined and it may be a great part of your estate must be repaid in way of restitution 
it must be done, there's no gainsaying of it, and therefore what a foolish lust it is to be set upon the things of the earth so as to get them in an earthly way. Sixthly, and then foolish, observe this one note, by earthly mindedness, they do lose the comfort of earthly things before they have had them. I make it out thus, a man or woman that hath carking thoughts about the things of the earth, and it may be by their inordinate thoughts and cares and affections after some earthly things, they contract much guiltiness upon their own spirits. Yet after this perhaps God doth give them that earthly thing. Now when they have got it, if they have any light in their consciences, their convinced consciences will then reflect thus upon them. I have got this indeed. Oh, but have I it with the blessing of God? I have it in my custody, but I got it dearly. It cost me such thoughts and cares and affections before I had it. And now I have it. I cannot say it comes out of God's love. I rather fear that God hath given it me in his wrath, because I got it in such a way. Now all the comfort is gone and lost. Whereas, had it come in the way of God, and hadst thou given up thyself to God, and then providence had brought such a comfort to thee, thou mightest have enjoyed much of God in it, and blessed God for it. The Lord hath blessed me in my trading. Oh, I have it from the love of God. But now, when thy heart was earthly before it came, when it doth come, thou hast no comfort in it. The comfort of all is lost before it comes. Thou hast spent so much upon it, as if a man hath got a thing, and after he hath gotten it, he thinks thus, What hath this cost me? It hath cost me a great deal more than it's worth. Now the comfort of it is vanished. The eighth evil. Earthly-mindedness, it is the root of apostasy. I'll give you but one scripture and compare it with another. 2 Timothy 4.10. There's a notable text that shows how earthly-mindedness breeds apostasy. Tis the example of Demas, for Demas, says the apostle, hath forsaken me. What's the matter? Having loved this present world. It was that that made Demas to be an apostate. Why? What was Demas before? Compare this scripture with that you have in the epistle to the Colossians, and you shall see what he was before this time. He was a forward disciple of Paul, and the apostle had some good esteem of him in the last to the Colossians. Fourteenth verse, mark there in that epistle where Paul was directed by the Holy Ghost, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Paul doth rank Demas here among the famous professors of religion, the apostle writing to the Colossians, saith, Demas greets you among the rest. When we send to our friends and say, such a one commends him to you, we use not to name them except they be entire friends. So it appears, and I find that interpreters severally do think it was the same Demas, and the word gives us some ground for this. For in Timothy you find that he names Luke there too. It seems that Demas and Luke were two great associates, and Paul mentions them together, when Demas had forsaken him. Yet Luke rode with him, and when Paul sends them greeting of Luke, that was the beloved physician, he sends the greeting of Demas too. But now one was truly godly, and whatsoever sufferings Paul met withal, one cleaved to him and would not forsake him. But when Paul begins to suffer, and Demas thought that there's no thriving for me, if I should follow this persecuted apostle, Demas now would have no more of Paul. He thanks him for his company, and fairly departs from him. He hath forsaken me. And what's the root of it? He hath embraced this present world. And that's another note, that, though he was a forward professor, yet the heart of Paul was not so much for him, for he saith, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. He doth not say, the beloved Demas. It's true, Demas was a forward professor, and did seem to wear a cloak of religion, but Paul was directed by the Holy Ghost only to speak of him as a professor. 
but in that the holy ghost directs him to speak of two together that were two companions and gives one an epithet beloved and the other only his name by this we may gather that those that have discerning spirits may show some kind of sign in those that are earthly at least to darken their esteem of them and to make them somewhat jealous of them as now there's two men and both very forward and two companions together yet those that are godly old disciples can savour one more than the other indeed they are both professors and both have excellent parts and gifts and yet there's more spiritualness and greater experience in one than in the other so it appears there was in luke rather than in demas and indeed your earthly-minded men afterwards prove to be apostates usually before their grand apostasy do manifest some deadness and waywardness of spirit to that that's good yea their spirits before discover themselves to be earthly spirits they smell of the earth as a man before he dies his breath will smell very earthly you will say oh such a one cannot live his breath is so earthly so it is with those that are very great professors of religion that those that have intimate acquaintance with them before they do apostatize they smell their breath to be earthly in their duties in their conferences oh take heed of earthly mindedness lest it be the root of apostasy this may be written upon many an apostate's grave this was an earthly-minded man or woman in the midst of their profession and hence it is that they fell off from the truth in times of danger when they were brought to the trial they were base backsliders from god and his truth the ninth evil earthly-mindedness doth wonderfully dead the heart in prayer it sinks the spirits of men and straightens them in spiritual duties yea and indeed doth defile every duty of religion in the hundred and nineteenth psalm thirty-seventh verse david you shall find praise there to god that he will turn away his eyes from beholding vanity and that he would quicken him in his law certainly by the vanity that he speaks of there he means the things of the world and by his eyes he understands the eyes of his mind chiefly the working of the thoughts of his heart after earthly things for if you will cast your eyes but to the thirty-sixth verse saith he there incline my heart to thy testimonies and not to covetousness o lord let not my heart be inclined to covetousness afterwards turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity to the end that my heart may not be inclined to covetousness lord let not my thoughts be busied about such vain things but quicken me in thy law as if he should say lord while my mind is turned to vanity or my heart to covetousness after the things of this earth i always find my spirit dull and heavy in any holy duties i have no quickness at all in my inward man when i come in thy presence and by experience i find this to be the cause that my heart is so drossy because my thoughts and mind are set upon earthly things that are but vanity therefore lord let not mine heart be inclined to covetousness nor mine eyes looking after vanity but turn away mine eyes from these things and quicken me in thy law if you would have your hearts quickened in god's law in the duties that god sets you about take heed of your eyes that they look not after vanity and your hearts that they follow not after covetousness for an earthly spirit will be a dead spirit as the element of earth it's the sluggishest and deadest element of all so earthliness in the heart makes the heart sluggish and dead and listless to any holy and spiritual duty i appeal to your consciences in this when you have let out your hearts after the things of this earth and been exercised in the world in abundance of businesses when you have come to enjoy communion with god oh how dead have you found your hearts a drossy heart must be a dead and a straight heart in heavenly exercises you complain many times of your vain thoughts in performance of holy duties you cry out of dead spirits then but 
there lies the cause you have given your hearts up so much to the things of the earth at other times and hence when you should come to have converse with god your hearts are so dull and straight as they are look at this to be the ground of it this is the great root of all it lies here in your earthly mindedness oh how many prayers have been quite spoiled with an earthly heart whereas such as have had spiritual hearts have enjoyed blessed communion with god at the throne of his grace and have been sweetly refreshed as a giant with wine the while thou hast gone with a dead heart and continued so there and came away with as dead an heart without any quickness and life and this is that that comes by thy earthly mindedness which is such a remora and pullback to duties the tenth evil earthly mindedness is so great an evil wheresoever it prevails as it were just with god that thy name who art so earthly minded should be written in the earth i say those that are earthly minded and have this sin prevailing upon their hearts and are not sensible of it they have cause to fear lest god should write their names in the dust yea lest god hath already written their names in the earth in the seventeenth of jeremiah thirteenth verse we read of such an expression o lord the hope of israel all that forsake thee shall be ashamed and they that depart from thee shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the lord the fountain of living waters it's apparent that he speaks of earthly spirits here for in the eleventh verse he saith as the partridge sitteth on eggs and hatcheth them not so he that getteth riches and not by right shall leave them in the midst of his days and at his end shall be a fool and then he goes on and describes the excellency of god and his sanctuary a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary etc as if he should say there are a company of foolish vain men that seek after nothing but getting riches and the things of the earth but a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary o lord we see an excellency in thee and in thine ordinances and thy sanctuary o lord the hope of israel in whom there is such excellency is there any that do forsake thee who hast so much excellency in thee who art the hope of israel o lord just it were that their names should be written in the earth that they should never come to partake of those good things that there are in thee the excellent things that there are in thine ordinances and in thy gospel but lord let their names be written in the earth an earthly spirit i say may fear lest the name of it be written in the earth lest god write something concerning such a man or such a woman earth shall be their portion and their mouths shall be filled with earth one day and that's all the good that they shall have from the almighty all those who have known god and the things of eternal life they cannot but apprehend this to be a sad and a grievous evil for their names to be written in the earth the eleventh evil an earthly-minded man hath the curse of the serpent upon him what was that upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat thou hast the curse of the serpent thou grovellest upon the earth as it were upon thy belly thy soul cleaves to the ground in a sinful way and dust thou feedest upon while the saints are feeding upon jesus christ upon the very flesh and blood of christ when they are refreshing themselves with the hidden manna angels bread corn from heaven thou art satiating thyself with the earth that's thy food and that's the very curse of the serpent it's a sign of a serpentine brood of the old serpent to be grovelling upon the earth and to feed upon it the twelfth evil earthly mindedness is a dishonour to god and a scandal to religion what shalt thou profess an interest in christ and are there no higher things to be had in god than such base things as thy heart is upon what thou dost hold forth the everlasting gospel in thy hand to others 
and dost openly profess a nearness to god more than others and is there no difference between the workings of thy heart and the workings of others after the things of this world oh how does this darken the excellency of grace if there be any grace at all it very much clouds it as the mixing of earth and drossy stuff with pure metal it takes away the excellency of the pure metal so the mixing of earth with the profession of religion blemisheth the beauty and splendour of the profession of religion thou wilt never be the man or woman that is like to convince any by thy conversation thou art never likely to be a means to draw any to the love of the ways of godliness because there is so much darkness and earthliness in thy conversation oh will they say indeed he or she makes a great blaze in the world and talks much of religion and of ordinances and such things but as worldly as any and grovelling in the earth as much as any people that are standers-by will think that profession is but a mere verbal thing or a mock show when as they see as much earthliness in your conversation as in the conversation of those that are without you do bring an ill report on the things of god as the spies did upon the land of canaan whereas every professor of religion should endeavour to put a lustre upon religion and to make the ways of god to be beautiful amiable and glorious in the eyes of all that do behold them but now to give a lie to your gospel profession by your earthly conversation it is a very great scandal to the name of christ that is upon you and to his gospel that you seem to stand up for oh there's a great evil in this and a very ill report comes upon the ways of religion by this means many that have had little religion in them yet have some kind of generousness of spirit so that they scorn such base sordidness as some sorts of professors are given unto oh for shame let not those that have only common gifts of nature and education outstrip you that seem to be the followers of christ away with that base muddy earthly saving pinching disposition it becomes none but judas that carried the bag and betrayed his lord and master for eighteen shillings and four pence let me argue with you you that have to deal with any friends or neighbours that you yet are afraid have not the power of godliness in them as you desire but yet you see they have much ingenuity and generousness and publicness of spirit in them for public good take heed of scandalising such men for certainly such men if they could be brought to the love of religion and to the power and strictness thereof had they the work of the holy ghost upon their hearts to humble them for sin and to show them the excellency of jesus christ they would be glorious instruments in the church of god and commonwealth and therefore it's a very great evil to scandalise such men as these no you should labour to walk so as they might see a beauty and excellency in the ways of religion by your conversation oh better a thousand times better that you be cut short of these things in the world than that you should scandalise the ways of god and the profession of the name and gospel of jesus christ the thirteenth evil earthly mindedness it doth exceedingly hinder preparation for death and it is like to make death to be very grievous and terrible to them when it comes that are like the rich fool in the gospel in the twenty-first of luke the thirty-fourth verse this i have from the scripture take heed to yourselves christ here speaks to his disciples lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life he puts them together it's very strange you will say that christ should speak this to his disciples to forewarn them of this we do not think that they were drunkards so as to follow after taverns and alehouses or to reel in the streets but by this drunkenness he means any excess in the use of the creatures in meat or drink and professors of religion may be subject to that to give up themselves too much to sensual delights and excess in the use of the creature but besides that 
though many there are that would abhor gluttony and drunkenness yet the cares of this life takes up their hearts therefore saith christ take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with the cares of this life why what evil would the overcharging of the heart which the cares of this life bring mark saith the text and so that day come upon you unawares for as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell upon the face of the whole earth watch ye therefore and pray always etc i may apply this to death though the scripture be speaking of christ's coming now in the time of death christ comes particularly there is a particular day of judgment at the day of death it may likewise be applied to the time of any affliction and then it may be enlarged thus and so then the evil of earthly mindedness appears in this that it doth hinder the preparation of the soul for afflictions o oh, earthly mindedness will make thine affliction to be grievous and heavy to thee an affliction is a very grievous thing to an earthly spirit if god comes to take away any comforts of this world now because thy heart cleaves so close to them there must be a rending of them from thee and that will put thee to pain a man that hath his garments loose he can easily put them off when he goes to bed at night but if a man hath a sore upon his body and his inward garments shall cleave to the sore if he pulls them off then it puts him to a great deal of pain oh then he cries out of his pain truly this earthly mindedness comes from distemper of spirit and the things of the earth they cleave to the hearts of men and women that are earthly as the inward garment should cleave to a sore on a man's body and now when afflictions or death comes to take the things of the earth from them or them from the things of the earth oh it's painful to them it's grievous to them and for one that hath an earthly spirit a hundred to one if he hath any light of conscience left in him but his conscience will trouble him in time of sickness and then tell him how he hath spent his time and strength of his spirit about the things of the earth whereas they should have been spent about more excellent things and when he comes to die then his spirit will be troubled i am now to leave all these things that i have spent my care and thoughts upon and let out my heart about and what good is it to me now that i shall leave so much more than my neighbour doth what great content is this to me when i am upon my sick and deathbed what comfort can i have in all the good things i have enjoyed yes it may be through the earthliness of my spirit i have enjoyed but little of them but i have had carking thoughts about them but now death is like to be to me as a strainer that strains out the good and leaves the dross and the dirt behind it and so all the things of this world is gone but the guiltiness that i have contracted upon my spirit with my immoderate care and affections that i have let out upon the world that now is upon my spirit oh death hath been very grievous to worldly spirits i remember there's one that lived in a place not far from the place that i have formerly lived in a covetous earthly spirit when he wants to die calls for his money and falls a-swearing must i leave you now speaking to his bags and hugging of them what must i leave you now an earthly man that had spent his spirits and strength upon these things and indeed let out his heart to them as his portion and then he sees that he must be stripped from all must bid an eternal farewell to all no more houses nor lands nor coming in nor money oh death is grievous to such a one now what should be the life of a christian but a continual preparation for death many of the heathens said of philosophy that it was but a preparation for death a special excellency of christianity consists in this that it is a preparative for death and therefore you should let out your hearts in the things of this world so as to be continually thinking of death that when god calls you to depart from these things that you may do it with ease 
with as much ease as a man when he is going to bed casts off his clothes that are loose about him for so the grave is as a bed to the saints where they fall asleep when they die and so they may lay down all things and go to their sleep with ease and peace a man or woman that can have their consciences tell them i have been diligent in my calling but god knows through faithfulness to him rather than love to the world and i have kept my heart close to god and faithful to him i can bid the world now farewell as the world hath done with me so i have done with it so long as my time was to work for god god continued those things that this frail nature of mine had need of and now my work is done farewell the comforts of this world i expect other kind of comforts that i am now going to so such a one that is spiritual may die with comfort but those that have their hearts overcharged with the cares of this life they will have the day of christ come upon them unawares the fourteenth evil earthly mindedness is that that will bring destruction at last it will drown thy soul in perdition there's those two texts for it the first is here in this very scripture wherein my text is saith the apostle here speaking of men who mind earthly things whose end is destruction they are both joined together earthly mindedness will bring destruction at last and the forenamed place that for other purposes we have had in one timothy six nine where the apostle speaks of bringing them into snares and foolish lusts saith he which drown men in destruction and perdition some that are washing themselves in the thames go a little way at first and then venture a little further and further and at length they are over head and ears and there they are drowned and cannot recover themselves so it will be with your hearts if you look not to them you think you may venture so far in the things of the world why are they not good and in themselves lawful i get not my estate by wrong cheating and cousining and so by degrees your hearts are stolen away from god and taken with these earthly things and ye get deeper and deeper into the world till at length you are plunged over head and ears before you are aware and you cannot recover yourselves that man or woman that will give their hearts to the things of this world and think that they will go no further but thus and thus far a hundred to one but when once these things have taken up their hearts they get more and more advantage till they be even drowned in destruction and perdition a man or woman may be undone by earthliness and be damned and perish eternally as well as by adultery or drunkenness murder or by any notorious sin many that are great professors of religion it's very like that this will be the sin by which they will perish to all eternity the earthliness of their minds do not please yourselves in this that because you keep from those gross and notorious sins that others live in therefore you hope to be saved your earthliness may damn you as well as anything else as upon dunghills you cast not only filthy carrion and such nasty stuff but your dust that is swept out of your houses i may compare hell which is the place where god casts those damned out of his presence it is as it were the common dunghill upon which filthy creatures are cast now upon that dunghill there are not only carrions and filthy blasphemers and whoremasters and thieves those are as it were the dead dogs carrion but likewise there will be dust cast upon that dunghill and scrapings that are from your houses will be cast upon the dunghill of hell from the presence of god and therefore satisfy not yourselves in this that you do not live in such filthy abominable lusts as others do but if you have foul earthy hearts you may be cast upon the dunghill as well as those that have lived most notoriously wicked and therefore take heed of earthly mindedness you will say by all these particulars you have discovered to us there is a great deal of evil and danger in earthly mindedness 
Well, the Lord keep us from earthly mindedness. But you will say, We hope that we are not those earthly minded men that are here spoken to, though we do follow our businesses and callings. We must mind what God sets us about, but we hope we are not of these earthly minded men that are spoken of here in this scripture. Now, besides what we spake to in the opening, what it was, that might show as in a glass the hearts of men and women, I shall enlarge my meditations on this subject by showing some few convincements, further to convince men and women that there is a great deal of earthly mindedness in them. And for preparation I will lay down this. First, that a man or woman may be earthly minded, and yet little think of it themselves, not know that they are so, yea, and it may be even perish eternally through their earthly mindedness, and not know of it themselves. Six things may be wrought in a man, and yet earthly minded. One, a man may have his judgment convinced that there is a vanity in all the things of this world, and yet be an earthly minded man for all this. Many think they are not earthly minded. Why? Because they are convinced that all these things are vanity. Come and speak to them about the things of this world, and they will acknowledge there's a vanity in all these things, that they are vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Two, a man may have some kind of contentment in his estate, and yet have an earthly mind. At the thirty-third of Genesis, ninth verse, Esau, that was one of the earth, yet he said he had enough, yet certainly one of an earthly spirit, and his portion was in the earth. How many of you come so far as Esau did, to say for your estates you have enough? Oh, it is a shame for those that are professors of religion, and would seem to be of the seed of Jacob, and yet they can never say they have enough, when, as an Esau can say, he hath enough. I have enough, my brother." 3. Men and women may speak very great words about the vanity of all the things of this world. When you come to discourse, you may, I say, discourse much about them, and yet have a very earthly spirit. 4. A man may be free from getting anything of this world by false ways, by deceit, by injustice, etc., and yet be earthly for all that. 5. Through some predominant lust, some other way, a man may seem to despise some earthly thing, as many men that have a lust of ambition, will seem to despise money, that hath a lust to show themselves to be generous, and those that have a lust of sensuality will seem to despise the things of the world. Many a man through one lust will seem as if he would hate the other, though the truth is he doth not hate it as a sin, but for the practice of it his heart is against it, not, I say, from the dislike of it as a sin against God, but because it is opposite to some other lust that he hath, as your prodigals, your young spendthrifts, they will speak against covetousness, as if they hated that sin, whereas, the truth is, no wicked man hates any sin any further than one sin crosses another, so much he may hate it, but not as a sin. In the thirteenth of Isaiah, verse seventeen, Behold, saith the text, I will stir up the meads against them, which shall not regard silver, and as for gold they shall not delight in it. The meads, they were heathen wicked people, that had no grace in them at all, and yet, the text saith, they shall not regard silver, and for gold they shall not delight in it. Some men, they think it is through the work of grace, and because they find that they are above that base covetousness that they see in other men, they do not regard silver and gold, and to be getting all for themselves, and they despise those men that are of such a base covetous way, and upon that they think their condition good, because they think they are got above that lust. But ye see, it is no other than that a mead may get, a heathen may disregard silver and gold, but how? It is because his spirit is upon another lust, that's the ground of it. Canst thou say this? 
consider what I am now upon, you that seem to scorn covetousness and hate such base sordidness as you see in other men, can you say it comes from hence, the Lord hath made me to see the excellent things of the gospel, the treasures of grace that are fountained up in Jesus Christ, the Lord hath made me to know what communion with himself in Jesus Christ doth mean, and since that time I bless God my heart hath been above all these earthly things, and that's the ground that makes me look upon all these earthly things as vanity, because the Lord hath discovered unto me those excellent and glorious things that are infinitely above these earthly things. Ay, that's somewhat indeed, if you can be above earthliness upon this ground. That's a good argument. Therefore examine upon what ground it is that your spirit is against such things, whether it be upon the sight and experience of better things, then it's right. But certainly men and women may go far in seeming to be above earthly things in respect of the sin of covetousness, and yet still have earthly mind. Wherefore, to give you convincements, besides things that have been hinted, as how a man doth value himself and value others, is it not because that others, or yourselves, have much of the things of the earth? Can you value a poor man that is godly above the richest man that is wicked? And so can you value yourselves for the least work of grace upon your hearts to make you more excellent than the greatest comings in of your estates? But these things we have hinted. And then, where lies the chief joy and chief sorrow in men's hearts? What's that that doth most trouble your hearts? Is it the loss of the light of the face of God, or the loss of an estate, the loss of a voyage, or the commission of a sin? So what's your chief joy, your profiting by the word or gaining by your bargains? You have come to the word, and there sometimes God hath revealed some truth to you, and you have profited. Can you go away rejoicing, because God hath made you to know his law? The Lord hath darted some truth into my soul this morning. Oh, I go away rejoicing, and having my heart filled with more joy than ever I have had upon any bargain wherein I have got never so much of the world. These be two convincements we hinted not before." Nine Convincements of Earthly-Mindedness 1. For the further convincement of an earthly-minded man, seriously consider this. When a man shall rest upon earthly props, upon worldly helps, for the good that he doth expect, if he can have those things, then his heart seems to be upon the wing, very pleasant, but there's nothing else can revive his heart. It's not a promise that can keep his spirit. Now that, that a man or woman most trusts unto, that certainly they make to be their God, for that properly belongs to God to put our trust in Him. Then we make God to be our God when we rail ourselves upon Him. Now, to trust in earthly things, though it be but for the comforts of your life, you will say, I cannot trust in earthly things to bring me to God. Nay, but to trust in them for the comforts of your life, while you are here in this world. That's an argument of an earthly spirit, for the truth is, the comfort of man's life consists not in any earthly thing he doth enjoy objection you will say do not these comfort our lives answer yes so far as god is pleased to let out himself through them but if thy heart doth rest upon these for comfort and doth not look higher than these for comfort even for thy outward support certainly thou hast an earthly heart and so when thou art about any business thou hast some earthly means to further thee objection you will say god would have us take all outward means to help us answer I but not to trust in anything. If riches increase, set not your hearts upon them. So if friends increase, set not your hearts upon them, but trust in the living God. Let it be the living God that you rest on, even for all outward things in this world. 2. A second convincement is this, 
when men make most provision for the things of this world both for themselves and for their children are not these your thoughts i do not know what i may want hereafter and i see many that have lived finely when they have been young yet afterwards they have lived very miserably and therefore i must make provision for after times thus for the earth but now do you reason thus for the things of heaven do not i see many that have made a great blaze of religion and yet afterwards they have come to nothing they have gone out in a snuff as men that god hath forsaken and they have died in horror of conscience and therefore let me lay up provision now against an evil time that i may not miscarry in the matters of my soul so as others have done this were a sign your minds were not earthly and for your children god hath sent you children and oh how you toil and labour and your thoughts run in the night and as soon as you awake in the morning about what you shall get for their portions and for an estate for them now i appeal to your conscience before god the searcher of all hearts have your cares been to provide in a suitable way for their souls for their spiritual and eternal estates no question but it's lawful for parents to provide in a providential way for their children and they that do not are worse than infidels but what is your chief provision for are your thoughts more solicitous to provide portions for them than that they should have instruction in the fear of god and interest in christ than that they should have grace wrought in their hearts you are loath to die before you can bring your estate so clear as you may leave it to your children oh are you not loath to die before such time as you see some work of grace wrought in the hearts of your children oh these would your thoughts be if you were spiritual oh could i discern but some seeds of grace sown before i was dissolved i could rejoice abundantly as it's repeated of augustine's mother that the great thing that she desired to live for was to see her son converted and god did grant her desire and then she found herself willing to die there's nothing will make the spiritual heart of a father or mother more willing to depart from this world than to find grace wrought in their children oh that i may see before i die my child left under the promise in covenant with god ay this were somewhat like indeed but those whose cares and thoughts are most for these earthly things in providing for themselves and children that's a convincement that their hearts are earthly three a third convincement which is very notable and i beseech you all to lay this to heart and consider seriously of it for this evil of earthly-mindedness is a very secret and close sin, therefore I am the larger in this point, the convincement is this, that man that can be content with a slight assurance in the matters of heaven, but for the matters of earth he never thinks himself sure enough, but is very careful to make all things so infallible, as there can be no way that he can be deceived in, but he may surely build upon what he hath in the things of this earth. This is an argument of an earthly mind, come to men that are earthly and discourse with them concerning matters that concern their souls what assurance have you that you are gone beyond any formal professor that you are better than the stony or thorny grounds that we read of in scripture what evidence have you that the saving work of grace is wrought in you that you have shot the gulf that you are translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of jesus christ and that your sins are pardoned and your souls justified that you are at peace with god what evidences have you of peace made between god and your souls the answer would be given i hope i am converted i trust in god's mercy sure i have grace i shall be saved god is merciful but what evidences can you show they know not scarce what belongs to that nay you shall have many of them because they know not what assurance means therefore they will think nobody can be assured we may hope well but we cannot come to be assured of it 
no a heart that is truly gracious and godly would be loath that should be true for a thousand worlds they would not lose their parts in the blessing of that if god would make them kings or queens of the earth but thou hast an earthly drossy heart and dost not much look after assurance for matters of thy soul and eternal estate thou wilt venture these matters and put them upon a peradventure but when it comes to the matters of the earth there thou wilt make all sure and go from this lawyer to another lawyer to ask counsel and to see whether the things are good and will enrol them and if there can be anything done to make more sure if it be any great sum upon which your estate lies you will do it i appeal to you if you could but hear of any of your neighbours what they had done to make such a thing more certain than you would have done you would scarce be at rest till you had done so as they have done is it so in matters of your eternal estate do not you hear of many saints of god that walk comfortably in the midst of all afflictions upon the assurance of god's love you shall have some will be able to say i and it's this scripture i build upon and through god's mercy such and such hath the work of god been upon my soul in revealing myself to me and such a promise i have sucked abundance of honey from but now generally come to people upon their sick beds all that they say is this they hope in god's mercy but for the ground of their hope for showing how god hath been pleased to bring their hearts and the word together and what real effects there hath been upon their spirits by the word that they can show nothing of thou hast not therefore got that assurance for thy soul and eternal estate as others have got and yet thou canst go on quietly oh it concerns thee that art so busy in making all sure for thy outward estate to spend more thoughts and care in the matters of thy soul and eternal estate than ever thou hast done he is an earthly-minded man that can be contented with slight assurance for the matters of his soul and satisfied with no kind of assurance in the matters of the world but would fain make those things more and more sure continually four further an earthly-minded man may be convinced of his earthliness in this he is content with a little degree of sanctification but for matters of the world still he would fain have more and more he looks at those that are the most eminent that are in his rank and he would fain get up as high as they in the things of this life but in matters of religion he looks at the lowest christians and is content to be as low as they take an earthly-minded man that is of such a trade if there be any of his professional calling that had as little to begin as he and thrive better he would fain get up as high as he and is troubled that he is not so rich as he is thus it is in the world but now take them in matters of god there's such men that began since you began and had as little means for the good of their souls as you had they are thriven and got beyond you abundantly in the matters of god and doth this trouble you and are your thoughts solicitous about this oh that i could attain to that degree of grace as such a one hath got such an one hath a spiritual mind and full of the joy of the holy ghost and full of faith he is able to depend upon god in the want of all outward comforts and certainly enjoys much communion with god but i am far beneath such and such do these thoughts trouble you it is ordinary for earthly spirits if they look but at any one that makes profession of religion that is low in his profession i did as such a one doth and i have as much as they have and that satisfies them they look upon the meanest christians and are satisfied that they are like them but for the matters of the world they look upon the highest and are not satisfied except they come and attain to what they attain to and that's a fourth evidence five then a fifth is this earthly-minded men are very wise in matters of the world but in matters that are spiritual there they are very weak and simple you shall have many men which i have wondered at sometimes to see that in matters concerning religion there they are very ignorant 
if they do but speak in points of saving knowledge they speak like children so that one would wonder where their understandings were now turn such men to the matters of the world oh how wise are they in their generation oh how subtle and crafty are they they can see an objection there and know how to answer it they can discern anything that will let them in their profit many miles off and can prevent whereas others cannot and now in those things that hinder their souls they cannot foresee things there they are wise in their generation and they have memories for the matters of the world they can understand things and remember things and they can meditate there but put them to meditate on a point of religion they are presently at a stand let me appeal to you do not your consciences tell you that in the matter of the world when you are walking from hence to london you can run in your thoughts upon one business all the way that you walk you can plot this and contrive the other way and foresee this and the other objection and answer it thus in your own thoughts but i do but put this to you when you walk over the fields settle but upon one meditation concerning christ and see whether you are able to draw out that meditation the while you walk over one field whereas you can spin out an earthly meditation if it were diverse miles when you awake in the night season presently your thoughts are upon the things of the world and you can draw them out and work their understanding but now in the things of god oh how barren and simple and weak are you there there's scarce any one can overreach you in the things of the world but in the matters of religion you are overreached presently every slight temptation overcomes you there six and besides you may know it by the discourse and words of men one john four five they are of the world therefore speak they of the world and the world heareth them their breath is earthly oh it's an ill sign that you used to say of your friends sometimes when you come to their bedside oh i am afraid they will die their breath smells so earthly it's a symptom of the death of the body so your hearts do smell so earthly and it were somewhat tolerable if it were on other days when your callings require it to discourse of business but even that time that god hath set apart for himself you are sometimes discoursing in your own thoughts concerning the business of the world when you are praying and hearing whereas the communication and discourses of men should relish of what they have heard out of the world not presently to go and talk about some earthly exchange occurrences and so lose all oh it's this that hath lost so many precious truths it may be when you have been hearing god hath darted in some beam of gospel light into your souls and you have lost it before you have got home and so have come to lose the impression of the truth that you have heard oh what a seemly thing were it in those that come to hear the word when they depart that there should be no discourse but tending that way oh how often are you in company and never leave anything to refresh one another's spirits or to further one another in the way of eternal life though god gives you allowance to speak about your business yet still if you be spiritual and heavenly he would have you to have something about heaven or eternal life before you depart seven a further convincement is this when spiritual things must give way to earthliness upon every little business prayer must pay for it if i have any business i will take it out of the time of prayer or converse in the word the less or hear the less when as i say that earthly things are so high as spiritual things must give way heaven must stand by as it were till earth be served this is an evil sign of an earthly spirit whereas were the spirit heavenly the very first thing that thou wouldst do when thou awakest in the morning or arisest should be to season thy heart with something that were spiritual in psalm 139:17, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me o god how great is the sum of them if i count them they are more in number than the sand when i awake i am still with thee 
oh that were an argument of a spiritual mind that upon the awaking presently to be with god when i awake i am still with thee but now i appeal to you who are you withal when you awake can you say lord when i awake i am still with thee i find an inclination in my spirit to be upon the matters of heaven and when i am up i had rather my worldly business should give way than spiritual duties eight when a man or woman cares not much how it is with the church with the kingdom of jesus christ so it be well with them in the matters of the world when as there are things stirring abroad in the world for we live in stirring times wherein god is shaking the heavens and the earth now he doth not much inquire how things are in respect of the privileges of the saints the ark of the church so his cabin be safe truly there need not other thing but the examining of your hearts how they have been these last years of jacob's troubles we find eli in the time of war he sat trembling because the ark of god he did not sit trembling because that if the philistines should prevail he should be put out of his place and his estate taken away no but because of the ark of god that was an argument of the spiritualness of eli's mind and so it may be an argument of very great comfort to you in these dangerous times if our consciences tell us this that god that knows all things knows that the great thing my heart was solicitous about in these evil days it was what shall become of thy great name lord what shall become of religion what shall become of thy gospel lord these were the things that took up my heart not so much what should become of my estate and outward accommodations and relations in this world oh examine your hearts in this whether the care of your spirits be more for the furtherance of the kingdom of jesus christ or for the furtherance of your estates but for that man or woman that is most solicitous about business that concerns their outward estates and do not much care how religion goes how the way of the kingdom of christ is maintained god at this time doth speak to that soul thou art an earthly-minded man or woman and therefore take heed lest what hath been spoken concerning the great evil that there is in earthly-mindedness lest it befalls thee and especially the last of all whose end is destruction who art drowned in perdition lest hereafter this be the thing that thou shalt lie crying out of and cursing thyself for oh i had a base and earthly heart and sought the things of the earth and made my portion there and in the meantime the blessed god hath been forsaken and i have lost my portion in the holy land for i had my portion in egypt among the egyptians according as i did choose to myself nine that the more spiritual any truth is that is revealed the less doth it take with his heart some truths of religion perhaps he is moved with but these are as bywords to him he minds them not at all the more spiritual an ordinance is that is delivered the less is his spirit moved with it if indeed he comes to the word and there be mingled some earthly natural excellency for so i may call it as natural parts wisdom wit and eloquence and learning that he is moved with all it may be some fine story is more pleasing to him than the goodly pearls of truth that are revealed in the word as now such truths as these the enjoyment of communion with god the longing after jesus christ's coming the living by faith upon a bare promise the excellency that there is in suffering for jesus christ these truths now are spiritual the mortifying of the inward lusts self-denial these things are little savoured by an earthly-minded man tell him of the privileges of the saints the mysteries of the gospel anything that is spiritual it is but as a notion to him as tis with men that are upon the earth they look up to heaven and see the things of heaven but little why is it that the stars seem so small to us here but because we are upon the earth the earth seems a vast body to us but the stars seem but little to us though they are far bigger than the earth were we in heaven 
then the heavenly bodies would seem vast to us and the earthly bodies would scarce be discerned by us were men's hearts heavenly all the things of the earth would seem little to them but because they are earthly therefore the things of heaven and spiritual mysteries are very small in their eyes public domain seven reasons of men's earthly mindedness i shall now proceed unto the reasons of the point why is it that men's hearts are so much set upon the earth to mind earthly things i give you briefly these reasons for it first the things of the earth appear real to them but spiritual and heavenly things be but a notion now that that hath reality in it takes with the heart most though men are deceived in this for the scripture speaks of spiritual things as the only real things and earthly things as that that hath no being at all in proverbs twenty three fifteen wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not speaking of the riches of the world it hath no reality at all in it but in the eighth of proverbs verses twenty and twenty one i lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment that i may cause those that love me to inherit substance to inherit that which is that which hath a being other things they are not the honours of the earth are but a fantastic and vain show you have read of burnus and agrippa they came with much pomp with great fancy so the original is but to an earthly man these earthly things are real things and therefore he minds them and wisdom is a lie unto a fool secondly these things they look upon as the present necessary things though the scripture tells us but of one thing that is necessary but yet they may think that these are present now they may have need of heavenly things hereafter they may have need of reconciliation with god pardon of sin peace of conscience and such things they may have need of them that is when they depart out of this life oh the infinite folly of most hearts to think that there is no present necessity of spiritual and heavenly things whereas indeed our life consists in them for the present this is eternal life we may come here in this world to enjoy eternal life but the generality of people they look upon all spiritual things only as our good for the future when we go from hence and are seen no more thirdly these things are most suitable to men's hearts it's no wonder that they mind earthly things they are of the earth and from the earth they have nothing but the first adam in them now the first man was from the earth earthly the truth is the happiness of man's estate even in innocency in the morning of the day of his creation in comparison of the things that are now revealed by the gospel was but earthly take man when he was in paradise that paradise was but earthly but then take man in his fallen and corrupt estate then he must needs be earthly and everything closes with that that is suitable to it comfort it doth not come so much from the goodness of a thing but from the suitableness of the object with the faculty now the things of the earth they are suitable to men that are of the earth and therefore they mind them the heart will abundantly run out upon that which is suitable to it fourthly these things of the earth have a very fair show in the flesh they have a kind of goodly appearance in the eye of sense yea and in the eye of that reason that is now corrupted by sin we have a most elegant expression of these earthly things and earthly-minded men having their hearts set upon these things it is in the sixth to the galatians twelfth verse as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh saith the scripture the words are to signify when a man looks smug and neat as you shall have some men dress themselves curiously and have handsome bodies they look so trim fine handsome and very brave to the eye of all that do behold them so saith he these men that are the false teachers they desire to make a fair show in the flesh that is 
they look upon the things of the flesh as those things that are very brave to the eye and they love to have all things so complete about them that they may look smug and carry themselves with such beauty before the world oh this is their happiness this they take content in they seem to have fine estates and to have brave clothing and all curious things about them this looks so brave in the eyes of the world and therefore it is that their hearts are upon them they are here enemies to the cross of christ they think suffering for christ poverty disgrace looks but untowardly but now those that desire to make a fair show in the flesh that would have their countenances well washed fair and beautiful wheresoever they come and be as somebody in the world these do thus and thus these forsake the truths of god and seek to provide for themselves in the things of the flesh fifthly men naturally never knew better things than the things of the earth and therefore no marvel though they mind earthly things so much children that are born in a dungeon and never knew any better place they can play up and down in the dungeon so it is with men that never knew what the things of heaven and eternal life meant they can mind earthly things better than those but when once the lord opens the eyes of their understandings to see into the reality excellency and glory of spiritual things they then wonder at their former blindness in minding such poor low mean foolish rattles as the things of the earth are sixthly there are earthly principles continually dropped into men by converse with other men that are men of the earth forty-ninth psalm eleventh and thirteenth verses their inward thoughts is that their houses shall continue for ever and their dwelling-place to all generations they call their lands after their own names their hearts are set upon these things then in the thirteenth verse this their way is their folly yet their posterity approve their sayings they are applauded by men they see that everybody do applaud them in these ways and when they converse one with another they do converse about the things of the earth and the common example of men they see everybody following the things of the earth and are greedy after these toys and that likewise doth incline their minds to the things of the earth lastly the sensible experience they have had of the sweetness that there is in the things of the earth this is that that takes off their mind from spiritual things and makes them to mind the things of the earth but though these be the reasons why men do thus mind the things of the earth and an earthly-minded man blesses himself in his way and thinks he hath good reason for what he doth and thinks all men fools that doth not grovel in the ground like a mole with himself and looks upon the matter of religion but as mere words and talk let them do what they will i find contentment here yet certainly at length it will prove folly this their way as the holy ghost saith in the forty-ninth psalm this their way it is but their folly and in the end the wise men of the earth those that have sought the things of the earth and blessed themselves in this way they will prove to be the greatest fools the holy ghost accounts them so in the seventeenth of jeremiah eleventh verse as the partridge sitteth on eggs and hatcheth them not so he that getteth riches and not by right shall leave them in the midst of his days and at his end shall be a fool he applauds himself for the present in what he hath got but at the end he shall be a fool eleven considerations to take off men's hearts from earthly mindedness now the main thing that is still behind in the point it is therefore to endeavour to take off the minds of men and women from the things of this earth that so by it i may make preparations to the next point which is of infinite concernment the conversations of heaven but because their conversations cannot be in heaven till their minds be taken off from the earth till the disease of earthly mindedness be cured therefore we must now propound those things that may help to take off the minds of men from the earth 
11 considerations to take off men's hearts from earthly mindedness first consider this that all the things of the earth that thy mind and heart is upon if thou couldst possess them all as thine own yet there is not so much good in them as to countervail the evil of the least sin not of the least sin of thought thy heart is muddling upon the things of the earth and thinkest that thou shouldst be blessed if thou hadst thus and thus as others have let me tell thee if thou hast but one sinful thought there is more evil in that than there is good in all that ever thou shalt get all the days of thy life in the world and if this be so then there is more evil in the least sin than there is good in all the things of the earth it concerns thee rather to have thy mind how to avoid sin or how to get the evil of sin to be removed and how to get thy sin to be mortified that concerns thee more than the minding and plodding about the things of the earth that's one consideration a second consideration a second is this that may take off the hearts of men from the things of the earth that the chief things that are in the earth yea name whatever excellency possibly a man may be crowned with under heaven hath been the portion of reprobates heretofore and is to this day and shall be the portion of multitudes whom god hates and hath set apart to glorify his infinite justice upon eternally shall thy mind and heart be set upon such things as are the portion of reprobates will a reprobate's portion content thee will it serve thee art thou satisfied with dog's meat if it will not content thee why is it that thy mind is so much upon the things of the earth it may be thou that art poor and mean in the world thy mind is upon some little matter thou canst never expect to have any great things in the world and yet thou mindest them as if that there were thy portion and thy happiness some small pittance to furnish thy house to provide for thyself and thy poor family o friend if it were possible for thee to get the empire of the whole world under thy foot yet thou shouldst get no more than hath been the portion of such as god hath hated and if so be that kingdoms and empires have been the portions of reprobates why dost thou mind things that are lower abundantly and let the strength of thine heart flow out upon such things as these are a third consideration a third consideration is this surely god hath made man for higher things than the things of this earth oh if thou hadst but thy thoughts often working this way wherefore do i think in my conscience hath god made the children of men for what end why hath he sent them thither into the world of all the creatures that god hath here upon the earth he hath none capable to know him the infinite first being of all things but only the children of men and god hath given them such a nature as is capable of some converse with him surely then there be other things that god made man for than to have meat and drink and clothes and here to live a while only to enjoy creatures do not we read often that jesus christ was god and man took man's nature upon him and died for man surely there must be some other manner of things that are the fruit of the purchase of the blood of christ than the things of the earth o oh, my brethren had you but this settled upon you that certainly god hath great glorious high and wonderful thoughts about mankind this would be a mighty means to take off your hearts from the things of this earth when thou hast thy heart grovelling here oh but are these the things that god hath made man for had not god higher thoughts in making of the children of men do not i find in the word that when man was made there was a kind of divine consultation with the trinity come let us make man according to our own image god had other thoughts of man than of other things and if man were made for nothing else but merely to dig in the earth certainly the thoughts of god about man have been but very low and mean as i may so speak with holy reverence for these are but low and mean things here that men enjoy in the earth 
The fourth consideration. As God hath higher thoughts concerning man, so the dignity of man's nature, the rational soul of man, is of too high a birth for to have the strength of it spent about the things of the earth. God breathed into man his soul. It's, I may say, a kind of a divine spark. The soul of man, it is of the same nature with angels, a spirit as angels are. The thoughts of the minds, the faculties and powers of the soul, are more precious things than to be poured out as water upon the ground. If a man have a golden mill, he would not use it only to grind dirt, straws, and rotten sticks in. The mind of man, the thinking faculty, is too high to be exercised in the things of this earth. The mind of man, it is of a most excellent, capacious nature. It is fit to converse not only with angels, but with the eternal God himself, with Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and to bestow the strength of such a faculty that God hath put into the soul of man upon such dirty, drossy, low, base, mean things as earthly-minded men and women do bestow it upon. This must needs be a great evil. Know the dignity of your nature, the excellency of your mind, the soul of man, it is of a transcendent being. Put all the world into the balance with it, it's nothing. Therefore you know what Christ saith. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The soul of the meanest galley-slave is more precious than heaven and earth, sun, moon, stars, and all the host of them. Let me add, then, all the silver and golden mines underground, and all the unsearchable riches of the great and wide sea. Yea, put all these together, and the soul of the most contemptible beggar that cries for a crust of bread at thy door is unexpressibly more worth than all these. Now, if man's soul be of such an high-born nature, if God hath put such a spirit which is a spark of heaven into the bosom, for man of him to employ it in no other use and service but merely to be an earthworm to creep in and upon the ground, this must needs be a very great evil. The fifth consideration. The fifth consideration is the uncertainty of all these things, uncertain riches. How may any causality come and take away from thee all the things of the earth that thy mind is upon? God sends but a little too much heat into the body and puts thee into a fever, and where's thy delight then? Thy body being either too much heated or too much cold, what's become of all thy comfort here in this earth? thou goest abroad and art dangerously wounded by an enemy what refreshing then dost thou receive from all these things let me tell thee thou art in the midst of a thousand thousand casualties here every moment ready to take away all the comforts of the earth and usually at the time observe it when the minds of men and women are most fixed upon the earth that's the time that god hath to strike them in those things they be then nearest to be deprived of the comforts of the earth when their thoughts and minds be most set upon them as you know it was with the rich man in the gospel, when he was blessing himself and crying to his soul, 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 take thine ease, thou hast goods laid up for many years. Even that night, the text saith, this message came to him, Thou fool, this night shall thy soul be taken away from thee, and then, whose shall all these things be? And at that time, that Nebuchadnezzar was blessing himself in the palace that he had built for his honour. Then there comes a message to him from heaven, so that he was presently outed of all his court vanities to graze among the beasts of the field. So you may find it in your own experience that God hath many times then most crossed you in the things of the earth when your minds and hearts have been most glued to them, and it may be in mercy, yea, it's a greater mercy to be crossed of these things at such a time, than to prosper in the midst of them, for it may be a good argument that God intends good to a soul to cross him at that time when he is most earthly." 
oh many that have been godly indeed but yet have been earthly-minded and have found god coming at such a time and crossing them in some earthly contentment have seen cause to bless god for thus dealing with them whither was i going i was going altogether to the earth and minding such things my heart was set upon them and god came in in a seasonable time to show me the vanity of my heart and of those things that my mind was busied about oh it was a happy cross that i had at such a season there was much of christ that did hang upon it and that's the fifth consideration the sixth consideration do but consider what's become of those that have been earthly heretofore that enjoyed the greatest accommodations of the earth what's become of those men in former ages of the world that lived here and vapoured so much in their generation who but they at court and in city and had all the earth according to their desires what's become of agrippa and burnus with all their pageantry greatness now they have acted their parts and are gone off the common stage of the world all their vanity is buried with them in one grave what difference is there between the poor and rich when they die they go all the same way only they were for a little time and flourished in the things of the earth and now are gone but have left a great deal of guiltiness behind them look but to their example and what's become of them and consider thy case must be as theirs within a while the wheel is turning round which will bring thee as low as them so that thou ere long must be numbered amongst the dead oh it's a mighty means to take off our hearts from the things of this earth the seventh consideration consider further how short thy time is that thou hast here in this world that's the argument of the apostle because the time is short therefore let us use the world as if we used it not therefore let our hearts be taken off from these things we have but a little time and a great deal of work we have in this short winter day of life to provide for eternity now considering the great weight of the work that doth depend upon us here in this world it may be a mighty reason for us to bid adieu to all the things of this world indeed if we had time enough for our work and were sure of our time then we might spend it about trifles if a man comes into the city to do business of great weight and consequence and hath but a little time to spend about it he never minds anything he sees in the city never minds any body that comes by him or any shows in shops what bravery there is there but goes up and down the streets minding only his own business oh so it should be with us my brethren consider the great work we have to do and the little time that we have to effect that work in there depends upon our little short uncertain inch of time matters of more consequence than ten thousand thousand worlds are worth and if we miscarry in this little time of ours we are lost and undone for ever better we had never been born or had been made toads or serpents or the vilest beasts whatsoever than reasonable creatures oh have you so much time for the spending the very spirits of your souls upon the things of this earth can you spare so many hours certainly if god did but make known to you what eternity means if the lord did but cause the fear of eternity to fall upon you you would not misspend so much time as you do many times though you complain for want of time for spiritual things oh how much time do you spend in letting out your thoughts and affections upon the things of the earth more than you need the eighth consideration consider therefore in the next place that a little will serve the turn to carry us through this world we are here but in our pilgrimage or in our voyage now a little will serve the turn here for the carrying of us through the world men will not take more in a journey than may help them if a man that is to go on a journey should get a whole bundle of staves and lay them upon his shoulder 
and you should ask him the reason why he carries that bundle. Why, saith he, I am going on a great journey, and I know not what need I may have of staffs to help me. It's true to carry a staff in a man's hand will help him. Thus Jacob was helped by his staff over Jordan, but to carry a bundle upon his shoulder will hinder him. Now a little will serve your turn, if you have but meat and drink, food and raiment, saith the apostle, be content, and the servants of God in former time, passed through this world with a very little, and many of them, the less they had, the more peace and comfort they had in God, and they were the more fit to die. I remember Ercolampadius, when he was to die, being very poor, professed that he would not have been richer than he was, for he saw what a hindrance it was, and so he could pass out of the world with more ease and quiet a great deal. Certainly a little will serve the turn here. We say, nature is content with a little, and if there were grace it would be content with less. And therefore, let not our minds be upon the things of the earth. We have not so much need of the things of the earth as we think for. The Ninth Consideration And then further consider, though upon our minding the things of the earth we should enjoy never so much, yet there is no comfort, no good to be had in them, any further than God will be pleased to let himself through them. They are but as channels to convey the blessing and goodness of God to us. Man lives not by bread, nor meat only. You are deceived to think that if you had such and such things, you should certainly have a comfortable life. I say, you may be deceived in this, for it is God in these that doth comfort the heart. There is a notable scripture for this in the sixty-second psalm, where the Holy Ghost saith, at the tenth verse, Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your hearts upon them, do not mind them. Why? In the eleventh verse, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. If riches increase, set not thy heart upon them. Let not your hearts and minds be upon riches or anything in this earth. Why? God hath spoken once, twice have I heard, that is, again and again. God hath spoken effectually to me that all power to do any good belongeth unto him. It's not in riches, there's no power there for making of the happy, but all belongs to him. This, I confess, is a spiritual meditation that earthly-minded men will have but little skill in. Yet where earthly-mindedness prevails in any one of the saints, this may do him good, whereas the truth is, it is not in the creature, or creature comforts, can do me good. If I had a thousand times more than I have, I might be miserable in the earth, and have as little comfort as those that have least, and therefore let me set my affections upon things above, and not on things on the earth. The Tenth Consideration Moreover, lay this to heart. If you be godly, God promises to take care for you for the things of this earth, and to that end, that he might ease you of the burden of your care, cast your care upon God, for he careth for you, and take no thought for these things. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of them, your heavenly Father takes care. See how he clothes the lilies, and are not you much better than they? Now children, they do not much mind the things of the earth to provide for themselves, because they know they have their father to provide for them. A child that hath his father and friends to make provision for him, it very much easeth him. But indeed those that are left fatherless and friendless, they seem to have some excuse. I had need take care of myself, for I have nobody to provide for me. I, but the saints cannot say so. They have a father to provide for them, and all the earth is the Lord's, as well as heaven, and the fullness of them both. Now, the earth being the Lord's as well as heaven, the earth being thy father's, why should thy care be so much upon the things of the earth? Let thy care be to do thy duty to thy father, to walk as a child, but let it not be for the things of the earth, 
thou dost as much as disavow the care of thy father for thee and canst thou believe that god shall give his son to thee and not give thee all things else hath not godliness the promises of his life as well as of that to come o oh, thou unworthy child that professest an interest in such a father or unworthy christian that professest an interest in such promises and hopest that god hath done such things for thee as he hath done and yet hast thy heart in the things of this earth as if the lord had settled thee only here and put thee to shift for thyself here from door to door no certainly the care of god is over his people in the things of the earth as truly as it is over them in regard of spiritual and eternal things some men can think at least they trust that they do trust god for their souls but cannot for their bodies so well but surely faith will teach thee to trust god for thy body as well as thy soul for god hath care of both and both were redeemed by the blood of jesus christ and hath told thee that he that fears the lord shall never want anything that's good for him now these considerations may mightily prevail to take off the hearts of men from the things of this earth the eleventh consideration the last that i shall name is this that all that are professors of religion they are dead to the world or should be so nay if you be truly religious you are so by profession you do profess yourselves to be dead unto the world the scripture makes this argument to take off men's hearts from the things of this world in the third of colossians verses two and three set your affections on things above not on things on the earth why for you are dead and your life is hid with christ in god ye are dead the apostle writes to the colossians and yet he tells them that they were dead the scripture speaks much of the death of the saints as it's said of women that lived in pleasures in timothy that they were dead while they lived so it may be said of christians that they are dead while they live dead to the world i am crucified to the world saith the apostle and we are dead with christ i find that some interpret that scripture in the first to the corinthians chapter fifteen verse twenty nine else what shall they do that are baptized for the dead they interpret it thus that all those that came in which were heathens and converted to christianity and were baptized they were baptized for dead men that is by their baptism now there was a profession that they did profess themselves from that time forever as dead men to the world baptized for the dead you have it in some of your books over the dead but the word is for and so it is translated in this last translation for dead men your baptism is administered unto you as a sign of your profession to be as dead men unto the world so i find some carry it this is the profession of christians to be as dead men to the world oh do not dishonour your profession of religion for indeed there is a greater evil as we said for professors of religion to be earthly minded than for any others and yet how many are guilty of this it's an observation of luther when god revealed himself to abraham and told him that he would multiply his seed he made use of two similitudes one was this that he would make his seed as the stars of heaven and at another time god saith that he would make his seed as the sand upon the seashore now saith luther by these two expressions there is signified two sorts of abraham's seed there are some that are as the stars of heaven that are heavenly minded there are others that are as the sand of the sea that is there are some profess themselves to be of abraham's seed but are of earthly spirits oh now my brethren we should labour to have such minds and hearts so as we should appear to be the seed of abraham as the stars of heaven to be of the number of those that are as the stars of heaven that is through heavenly mindedness but that we shall come to when we come to speak of the conversation of christians how it ought to be in heaven but now if any one should say may we not mind earthly things and heavenly things too 
no there's a great mistake here you cannot serve two masters god and mammon and it's very observable that text of scripture in the third of colossians second verse mark the opposition set your affections on things above not on things on the earth they are there opposed one to another set your affections or minds for so i think it is the same word with that in my text who mind earthly things a man cannot look up to heaven and down to the earth both at the same time there is an opposition between these two between the earthly mindedness that hath been opened to you and minding of heavenly things ay but you will say for these things while we are upon the earth we have need of them how can we do other ways but mind them when we come to heaven there we shall have dispositions suitable to heaven but sure not till then to that i answer though christians do live upon the earth yet they are not of the earth there's a great deal of difference between one that is of the earth and another that lives upon the earth christ saith concerning himself that he was not of the earth it's true though he did live a while upon the earth yet he was not of it in the third of john thirty-first verse he that cometh from above is above all he that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth now christ while he spake these words was upon the earth but he was not of the earth and so it is with christians they are upon the earth but they are not of the earth they are a people redeemed from the earth therefore that's not enough it's true these things are things that we need therefore we must not mind them for so in the sixth of matthew where christ speaks against taking thought what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall put on saith he your heavenly father knows you have need of these things you have some need ay but you have need of other things and greater need of other things than of these things what need is there for thee to live upon the earth but in order to providing for eternity and of living to the honour of christ and the praise of his gospel i say thou hast no need of anything on the earth but in subordination to higher things there is no need thou shouldst live but for some other end and therefore let not that be any such argument to plead for earthliness as indeed an earthly spirit is very witty in pleading for itself I shall close this point with some exhortation to you and directions about this point of earthly-mindedness. Five directions how to get our hearts freed from earthly-mindedness. Oh, considering what hath been delivered, I beseech you, lay it seriously to heart, especially you that are young beginners in the way of religion, lest it proves with you as it doth with many that are digging of veins of gold and silver underground that while they are digging in those mines for riches, the earth many times falls upon them and buries them, so that they never come up out of the mine again, and so it is with many that are beginning in the way of religion, that are digging in the mines of salvation, for unsearchable riches, for that that is abundantly better than gold and silver. Now, while you are thus seeking for grace and godliness, O oh, take heed that you be not covered with the earth while you are digging in the world, but keep wide open some place to heaven or otherwise if you dig too deep there will come up damps if the earth falls not upon you yet i say there will be damps rise up from the earth that may choke you if there be not a wide space open that you may let the air that comes from heaven in to you those that are digging in mines they are very careful to leave the place open for fresh air to come in and so though thou mayest follow thy calling and do the work that god sets thee here for as others do be as diligent in thy calling as any yet still keep a passage open to heaven that there may be fresh gales of grace come into thy soul if at any time thou beest got into the world if thou spendest one day and hast not some spiritual air from heaven take heed there's a damp coming up that will choke thee 
oh that christians would consider of this while they are here below i remember i have read augustine in his commentary on the seventy-second psalm the nineteenth verse saith the text they that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him and his enemies shall lick the dust he in a witty way applied it to earthly-minded men saith he if you do so lick the dust by this you will come to be accounted one of the enemies of god it's true the scope of the place is different but take heed that in this metaphorical sense that you do not lick the dust and so come to be accounted an enemy to god you that would be accounted as friends and seek reconciliation with god oh do not lick the dust to be always here as moles upon the earth they say moles though they be blind yet if they be without the earth then their eyes are opened and then they shake and tremble and so though the earth may close the eyes of men here for a while yet certainly there will be a day when their eyes shall be opened to see how they have guiled and deceived themselves and now it's worse too in the time of the gospel to be earthly-minded than at other times it was not such an evil thing to be an earthly-minded man in the time of the law when all the promises of god were carried in a kind of earthly way though i do not say that all promises that were made to them under the law were mere earthly but they were carried in an earthly way therefore you shall find when god promises his people in the time of the law what great mercies they shall have it is by earthly expressions as of gold and silver and such kind of things and their promises for heaven it went under the expression of living in the land of canaan as being a type of heaven now though they were taken with earthly things when god revealed himself to them in an earthly manner yet now in the time of the gospel lift up your hearts for your calling is from above now there are heavenly things revealed he that is from above is come amongst us and the heavens are broken open and the glory of it doth shine upon the churches in a far more brighter manner than it did before and therefore gospel light doth aggravate the sin of earthly mindedness and therefore now above all times should the hearts of men and women be disengaged from the things of the earth five directions how to get our hearts freed from earthly mindedness first to that end be watchful over your thoughts do not take liberty to let your hearts run too far in the things of the earth what time you have for meditation let it be as much as can be reserved for spiritual things most men and women think they may take liberty in their thoughts why the thing in itself is not unlawful ay but your thoughts will steal upon you and affect your hearts very much therefore watch narrowly over your thoughts keep them within scripture bounds the second direction be much humbled for sin that will take off the heart much from earthly mindedness your earthly minded men who have earthly and drossy hearts they have not known what the weight and burden of sin hath meant let god but lay the weight and burden of sin upon the soul it will take off the soul from earthly things quickly all those men that have gone on in the world in a secure condition and never knew what trouble of conscience meant for sin they grow seared in those earthly contentments but now those men that have had but the weight of sin lie upon them know what it is to have to deal with an infinite god in the bearing of the burden of the wrath of an incensed deity such know that they have other things to look after than the things of the earth if god did but humble your hearts the humiliation of your spirits would quicken you and take off the dullness and deadness of your spirits and stir you up to look after other things than the things of this life the third direction further set the example of the saints before you that have been the most precious servants of god in former times how they accounted themselves as pilgrims and strangers here in the earth read at your leisure that scripture in the eleventh of the hebrews at the thirteenth verse 
These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And mark, therefore, how it follows in the thirty-seventh verse, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Who were these? They were they of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, and in mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth, and yet such precious saints of God as the world was not worthy of. Now, when we set before us how joyfully these servants of the Most High went through all their wilderness condition, they should make us ashamed of our earthly mindedness, and would be a mighty help to us. The Fourth Direction And then, if we consider the great account that we are to give for all earthly things, you only look upon the comfort of them, but consider the account you must give of them. This would be a means to take off the heart from earthly mindedness, and consider... What if you were to die now, and to go the way of all flesh? What good would it be to me to remember what contentments and pleasures I had in the earth? The fifth direction. But above all, the setting Jesus Christ before you, and the meditating on the death of Jesus Christ, I say, that's the great thing that will take off the heart from the things of the earth. The looking upon Christ crucified, how he that was the Lord of heaven and earth, yet what a low condition he put himself into, merely for the redeeming of us. The conversing much with the death of Jesus Christ deads the heart much to the world. In the third to the Philippians, we have a notable text for that. In the example of Paul, he accounted all things as dung and dross for Jesus Christ. At the eighth verse, I account all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And then in the nineteenth verse, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Paul desired to be so conformable to the very death of Christ that he accounted all things in the world but as dung and dross in comparison of that. Paul had the death of Christ before his eyes and meditated much on the death of Christ, and that meditation had a great impression upon his spirit that made him account all these things as dross, as dogs meet in comparison, and that he might have fellowship with the death of Christ. Perhaps some of you may think of the glory of Christ in heaven, and that may for the present make you less worldly, but let me entreat you to meditate on the death of Christ, and know that there is an excellency in conformity even to the death of Christ, such an excellency that may take off your hearts from the things of the world. It's said of the king of France that he asking one once about an eclipse, saith he, I have so much business in the earth that I take little notice of the things of heaven. O oh, my brethren, for the close of all I beseech you, let not this be said concerning any of you, that you have such and such worldly employments that you cannot inquire after Jesus Christ. Plead not that you have such great business that you have so much to do in this earth that you take little notice of the things of heaven. No, surely the saints of God have their business in heaven, as we shall see God willing hereafter. Their city business, their trading, their aims, their bent, it is higher than the things of this earth. There are things that a man may let out his thoughts and affections to as much as he will. This shows the vanity of the things of this world, that a man had need to be very wary how much he minds them. He cannot enjoy the comforts of this earth without some fear. But now, when he comes to converse with heaven, there he may let out himself to the uttermost. That shows the excellency of these things. 
and you that are but poor and mean in the things of this earth be not discomforted because there is a charge from god that men should not mind these things surely there is no great matter in them as god charges that we should not mind them all the excellency it lies in things above which are heavenly and spiritual where the saints have their conversation but of this more at large in this following treatise of heavenly conversation End of a treatise of earthly mindedness by Jeremiah Burrows. Enjoyed this recording? Please support our channel by subscribing, liking, and sharing our content. We would also be happy to receive any comments or feedback below.